This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast. All the galaxies. All for you. Why, hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the IPC podcast, also known as the Intergalactic Peace Coalition, and we are broadcasting live right here on Fandom Empire on YouTube, and boy, oh boy, do we have an awesome episode lined up for you guys tonight. Um, I will say it was not planned very well. Um, it was planned very late notice um, because... Life, guys, just life. It just yeah. happens. I'm sorry, it just happens. And uh, but I, I'm I promise it's going to be a lot of fun because we got some news to cover. Okay, we don't actually talk about the news as much as we should because there's a lot of stuff going on, and usually we have like one discussion topic, and that takes up all of our time, and then we have to shut it all down. So tonight we're actually going to just devote everything to the news for a little bit and uh, because there is some interesting things happening and some some awesome things that i want to talk about because we will be talking about them in depth in just a few short months um mm-hmm. and a lot just a lot there's always stuff happening and whatever some unexpected things and whatever so uh yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun um my name is ben if you for some reason didn't know that um my good pal you know and you love mr zach arnold is not here tonight. And he will continue to not be here for a couple more weeks. But I've heard little Birdie told me he might just be able to make it next month. Next month, I think, is actually going to be uh, his time to shine and him being back on the show. So we're looking forward to that. But in the meantime, I can't do this show on my own. It's just not it's not a thing that I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying you don't want that to happen. So joining me, he's been on the show several times before um, and we love him and you guys know him. You know him best from the Ion Cannon podcast. Weirdly enough, weirdly enough, his co-host was here last week. He was. The other half of the Ion Cannon podcast, Mr. Joel Davis. Joel, thanks so much for coming back. You're welcome. I actually was there for that Star Trek discussion. Uh, if if I were more in tune with, with modern Trek, because I don't have Paramount Plus, I would have loved to have been part of it. Because I'm a bit of a Trekkie myself. Deep Space Nine is my my love and soul. I love Deep love Space it. Nine. I love TNG too. Don't worry. And TOS. So I'm a bit of a Trekkie. That's incredible. And and uh, speaking of which, we do have a bit of Trek news to talk about tonight. We're going to continue this, the, the Star Trek discussion tonight because there is a few things happening with Star Trek. Actually, probably more happening with Star Trek than Star Wars right now. Um, so uh, that's going to be up that Trek. They're just right. up those tricks. Yeah, it's all over the place. So, yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. Um <laughs> So yeah, it's great to have you. As I said, Matt was was here last week. It was a lot of fun to have him. Um, and this don't was forget not to planned. subscribe to Ion Cannon podcast. Go over and subscribe. Go just search up Ion Cannon, and it's I as in I on 
Cannon, as in C A N O N, right? Yes, C A N O N. Cannon. I'm glad I got it right on the first try because, uh, yeah, it's not canon. It's not like a canon. It's Star Wars canon. Very clever name. Probably one of the best named Star Wars podcasts in the world. And I can say that because I had nothing to do with the naming of it. So I'm, I, I can compliment you on that. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah, it's fun. Joel, it's so, it's so great to have you back. And, uh, great I, I, back. I, and I thank you for coming on such short notice. Anytime. <laughs> it was Anytime. about 24 hours ago I messaged you. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Joel, being the gentleman that he is, he's like, sure, why not? I'm doing you know what's anything. funny? You know what's funny? Just like last time I was here, I'm also eating food. I have chicken <laughs> chow mein uh, this time. Hey, you know, stranger things have happened on this show. Um, so uh, no big deal, no big deal. Um, got to do what you got to do. Um, so let's go. Go ahead and jump into it, I guess, because we do have quite a few things to get through. Um, in a limited amount of time, and the first one that I'm going to bring up is something that actually just broke, just like a couple hours ago. Um, so this is from Variety. They say that Disney closes acquisition of AT and T's. Warner Media. So Discovery, as in Discovery Channel, has merged slash bought AT&T and Warner Media. Um, and, you know, I know what you're thinking. Like, okay, what is, why? Why are we talking about this? This is boring. Just another corporation is becoming another giant corporation. What does this have to do with us? What does it have to do with geek media? Well, I think it has a lot to do with what's going to be happening. I've been following the, the story, so I, I kind of know some some things they've heard things right i've been hearing some things too and i heard this was coming so basically as they go on to say it says uh this is from variety uh discovery com- completed this acquisition of warner media from at&t on friday the close of the transaction bursts a new company warner brothers discovery which will begin trading on the nasdaq monday under the new ticker symbol WBD, uh, Warner Media owns HBO, HBO Max, CNN, Warner Brothers, DC Films, uh, New Line Cinema, TBS, T- TNT, True TV, Cartoon Network slash Adult Swim, Turner Sports, Rooster Teeth, and among other brands, uh, is part owner of the uh, CW Network along with Paramount. And Discovery, of course, owns Discovery Plus, Discovery Channel, HDTV, Food Network, TLC. Investigations, Discovery, I don't even know what that is, Travel Channel, Turbo Velocity, and a bunch of other things. Basically, a bunch of things that you may or may not watch is merging with another bunch of things that I think it's safe to say a bunch of us definitely watch. I've watched, I love, we just had Peacemaker a little while ago on HBO Max. I really like that. Um, There's a lot of stuff going on. Um, and then you have, you know, Paramount with, uh, you got the Halo series out, just finished Star Trek, you know, all this stuff kind of meshing together. Um, so it's going to be interesting. Um, actually that's not Paramount. I'm I apologize. I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting my Star franchises confused. I'm getting my franchises confused, but, uh, basically this is going to lead to a, a merger of the Disney, uh, not Disney. That's a whole other story. Um, D- Discovery Plus and HBO Max. Uh, so, uh, so we'll be seeing like one giant streaming service coming out of that, 
And so if you're already subscribed, you'll get a bunch of other stuff. So, and this also, you know, there's right. something to CW into that maybe. This could affect that, all the Arrowverse stuff. Um, there's a lot at stake here. And obviously, biggest being DC films and all this kind of stuff. And I heard darker story, the darker twist of the story. So, um, I don't know everything, so I'm not going to assume like I'm like the genius behind this. So, the reason AT and T sold is because Warner Brothers is kind of in the in, in the pickle, and that's pretty lightly from what I've heard about <laughs> after AT and T bought them up. And in, in some ways, Discovery is kind of buying up the scraps. Um, I know that sounds overly cynical. Like, oh, well, they're making great movies. Uh, you know, like, if you like, you know, Snyder Cut and, you know, Peacemaker. And they are making good stuff. Don't take me wrong. But from, like, an overarching business perspective, I've heard it's not been super hot. Um, again, I don't, I don't know money. I don't know how this all works. Uh, obviously, everything compared to Disney seems like chaos. But I think Warner Brothers, just from what I've heard, have been just kind of directionless and all over the place so i don't know how this merger is going to make things better or worse but it's kind of like they are kind of buying up the scraps and at and kind of selling off some losses from this is what i've heard from one side of things i mean if, if anyone wants to give me the counter argument please do but that's just yeah, the story I, i've heard i don't i don't know enough to, about the situation or really any of these companies or any of these facets to like make an educated guess in regards to like what this is going to mean obviously i think there will be changes there will be some things things and a lot of the stuff that we enjoy as geeks and nerds could be kind of changing and, and evolving and and you know everything from the cw slate superman and lois all that stuff to you know what's going on at hbo max to DC films. Um, basically, the whole DC universe, really, you could say, is is kind of could could be affected by this. So well, it's already affected because of one of its actors already. So right. So uh, yeah, a lot up in the air. Um, so who knows if this will be good change or bad change? Um, uh, in my opinion, usually the the bigger the company, the dumber the mistakes maybe. So uh, now they just took and take taken one company and just made it bigger and just stuffed more stuff into it. So we'll see how it goes. Um, who, who knows how this is going to shake out, but it was worth mentioning, I think, because, you know, obviously this is, uh, this is going to affect us in some way, shape or form. We're going to see, we're going to probably feel the effects of this and what we watch and, and whatever else um, is going to be changing. But uh, yeah, so uh, get your get your HBO Max ready. You're gonna have Dis Discovery Plus stuff showing up on there too. One giant streaming service. I should get uh, HBO Max one day. Like I have Netflix and Disney Plus, and that's and Hulu, and that's about it. I can only I only I only have Disney Plus, and Zach is letting me use his HBO Max. I am I am mooching off of him. Um, so that's the only way I'm actually on that stream because I can only afford one streaming service. I can barely afford that. I think I, I, uh, I bought into Disney plus for like the three year package right when they first started. So I think I'm still, I'm still good for a little while. Um, when they actually start making me pay again, that's going to be a different story. Uh, anyway, so we talked about Star Trek last week with Matt and we're st still in good company. Joel, you're a big Star Trek fan. Um, I'm like I the think... most apathetic Star Trek fan because, like, I don't. I'm like, I could probably talk about it for a while, but like, I don't like. I'm not like the super Trekkie. Like, I'm not starting Star Trek blogs or anything like that. 
yeah, I'm not I'm not gonna be good any good on a Star Trek podcast. There's a reason we only talk about it on IPC, you know, occasionally. Um, but I do love it. I, I do want to get more into it. Um, but this announcement coming up is something that is really big news. Um, I didn't grow up in Next Generation. I've only seen a handful of episodes, so it doesn't have a huge impact on me. But I know a ton of people really love Star Trek The Next Generation. Oh. And this announcement that came just the other day from a little uh, a teaser video, they said. And this this is a Trek movie reporting. It says uh, Paramount Plus today revealed that Patrick Stewart's Star Trek Next Generation cohort co-stars uh, LeVar Burton, Michael Dorn, Jonathan Frakes, Gates McFadden, Marina Sirtis, and Brent Spiner will star alongside Stewart in season three of Star Trek Picard. So uh, it makes sense. It makes sense that being that Picard as the, you know, pseudo, you know, sequel slash sequel slash, you know, spinoff. Of the next generation that you know, and and I don't know if uh, Picard is going past season three. I, I feel like they confirmed that that was that was going to be the third and final season, maybe. Um, so it makes sense that they would wrap up that show with a wrap up of Next Generation and those characters are bringing them all back. So uh, well, I'm glad. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I love TNG myself. Um, I watched a I watched a few clips of Picard that had Q in them because I I love Q. He's my He's my favorite Star Trek character. Um, oh, yeah. So, like, I was like, okay, well, I, I don't have Paramount Plus, and I don't want to buy it, so I haven't moved to watch the cards. But I like, oh, like, but they've been posting clips on it. Like, oh, yeah, Q. Um, I love Q. So, it's like, I'll watch some of that. And like, ah, oh, that's cool. Um, I, I know, can I spoil a little bit about Picard? How much card have you seen? Yeah, yeah, I've I've heard some spoilers, and I'm okay. not currently watching it. So, well, yeah. my, when I, the moment where Q comes in, he's, like, like they, they de-age him so he looks younger. And then he kind of realized, oh, Picard, you've grown old. I'll catch up. And he snaps his fingers, and oh, and now it's John Delancey in normal, a little bit older kind of look. They're like, oh, he's aging. They found a way to age up Q without aging up Q because Q's immortal and he shouldn't be aging. So it was like, oh, that's I, clever. I like that. I did see that. I did see that little clip, and that's that was really clever. That's 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 really good. Like ways to like catch up, and you know the fact that like his yeah yeah having morph back obviously brent spiner's already been in the cast some um he's been showing up here now and then we've had jonathan frakes um gonna be interesting to see you know jordy laforge and all those guys come back and, and you know have a full-on reunion yeah i'm saying i hope it's good because like i know it's the consensus among the fans is that like their last official get together was uh star trek nemesis that movie was not is not considered. It's kind of it's honestly many people consider the film that kind of killed the franchise for a while. Wow, um, like it was that bad. It's like you know, people say, "Oh, the prequels killed Star Wars." Like no, but Nemesis. Well, I mean, to be fair, Star Wars, Star Trek was kind of bleeding by the time of Nemesis. Insurrection didn't do that well, and Nemesis was kind of like, "Okay, after that, take a break, put Star Trek to bed," and then you know, O nine kind of gave Star Trek a bit of a shot in the arm in terms of popularity again. Although I know some people who like everything from 09 to today, like all stinks. Uh, <laughs> you have those people. They have those people. Uh, they exist, but it seems like in terms of just overall, the franchise seems to be quite, uh, quite, quite. you know, it's, it's, it's making more stuff and, you know, seems to be getting popular again in some respects, I, I think. I don't know. Uh, I'm not a Trekkie fan person in terms of knowing what the pulse of fandom is at this point. 
Yeah, I I don't know enough about Trek fandom to like <laughs> to to know anything about like where the fandom actually is. You know, I know there's obviously there's always going to be people that uh, have their era, and then once they get out of their era, they're like, Nah, I don't like any of this stuff. But uh, you know, overall, we've got you know new stuff with Star Trek Discovery, um, and we've got you know you, you've got kind of I don't know. It's not really a kid. They, they do have Prodigy, which is kind of more aimed at children. You have, uh, you know, uh, Lower Decks, which is more of a comedy. Well, not more of a comedy. It really is a comedy. And then uh, they're obviously servicing some nostalgia here with, you know, Picard and going back to the next generation, the, you know, 80s, 90s crowd. And then going all the way back to the original series with Strange New Worlds, which is coming up very, very soon. And yet, they have not done anything to continue Deep Space Nine, and it saddens me. It's the best one. It's objectively the best one. I don't like the word objectively, but I will use that word for Deep Space Nine. Um, and it's like, those characters are great. And it's like, I want to know what happened to the Cisco and Kira, meet Kira and Odo. Like, come on. Give, me, give us some Deep Space Nine love. See, I feel like... It's coming. I feel like that has to be on the way. They have to be working on something. Like once they're finished with Picard, like Next Generation, obviously, like like one of the most popular like Star Wars, Star Trek prop properties. Like, you know, that's one of the biggest like spinoff series. Um, They had to get that out of the way. But like now that they're that's wrapping up seemingly, or at least close to wrapping up in the next few years, um, you know, it's gonna be interesting. Like what other series they could go back to and bring certain actors out you know they they got jane away back for for prodigy um so that's interesting um i i'd love to see some some d space nine i've heard so much good about it so many people love that show it would make sense that they're if they're all about you know the fan servicey you know bringing back old captains and old ships and stuff uh do, do some do ds9 part two or whatever <laughs> yeah like, Whatever happens. But uh, with Strange New Worlds, which is going all the way back to before the original series, I'm obviously picking up from where Discovery left off. Um, They've had a new trailer recently, which was really good. Um, And, you know, a lot of stuff is coming out now because it's, I think, we're in the kind of the final weeks of before it's going to be officially coming out on Paramount Plus. So a lot of uh, stuff's coming out about it, particularly one little nugget of of stuff that i i don't again not that deep into star trek lore but i was like wait what what is this so apparently uh strange new worlds has given a full name to two original series characters Ooh. one being mr spock himself Ooh, i didn't know so not only not only spoiler alert, Spock has a first name. You're gonna find it about found out about it very very soon, um, and they've already released this information. Um, so um, this is from uh, they believe it's uh, Trek Movie or one of these sites. Um, he says, uh, "quote In development, in a development that's sure to get fandom buzzing, the Star Trek Discovery spinoff series titled Strange New Worlds is set to reintroduce a bit of an unexpected." change for Mr. Spock himself, played by Ethan Peck in this new series after first appearing in the role of Discovery. Thanks to the eagle-eyed fans at Trek Corps, 
it appears that the Vulcan slash human hybrid with no other traditional surname is set to reveal his first name. This information has come out slightly ahead of time in conjunction with this weekend's planned Star Trek Mission Chicago event. Uh, according to reports, both Spock and relatively minor original series character Mbenga, portrayed by Babs Oak. I'm not going to pronounce that guy's name. I'm sorry. I'm going to torture it. I'm not going to do that. Um, in uh, Strange New Worlds, are set to receive full names for the first time in the series' history. This comes courtesy of new and updated character posters unveiled at the Chicago convention. Um, so, so fans, may I introduce you to Dr. Jabilo Mbenga? And I'm sure I butchered that um, again. Um, and then dramatic drum roll, please. Lieutenant Commander Shintigun Spock. Shintigun Spock. I think that's how you pronounce it. I have no idea, but that's it. It's spelled S S apostrophe C H N space T apostrophe G A I N. So that's Spock's first name. Apparently, there's some kind of lore thing where, like, Spock maybe had a first name. It was in one of the books, but then off-worlders couldn't pronounce it or for whatever reason. So uh, I can really pronounce it. So yeah. Yeah. So Spock. it makes sense. It's like Spock. it's it's to use a Star Wars reference. It's like Mithron Nerudo. Just, just call him Thron. Just call him Thron because you no, know, it's funny. Chiss are like, like evil Vulcans in a way. So that's true. Actually, that's not you're you're not far off there. Um, evil blue Vulcan. <laughs> Thrawn's like an evil Spock in some way, just without the goatee. <laughs> it very, you know, very measured, very logical, very, very intelligent, also not very emotional. Um, yeah, I see that. I see that a lot. I, you got to wonder if uh, Timothy Zahn was taking any cues from Star Trek back in the day. Or, or I'm surprised Spock. Tim Zahn never wrote a Star Trek novel. If, and if he had, I didn't know about it, but... He did a lot of stuff, I think, even outside of Star Wars. So it wouldn't surprise me if he has, but I, I'm not familiar with his. Uh, I mean, some people have accused his Star Wars of being like Star Trek, um, for better or for worse. But like, I, I would be, I kind of would like to see Tim Zahn write a Star Trek book. Yeah, be cool, be cool. Well, I'm sure Star Trek fans, especially on certain sites like Twitter and Facebook, are taking this news. Very reasonably, or not freaking out, not 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 losing their heads over this, just saying, Kill "Oh, this is Roddenberry fine." <laughs> but prop, look, props to Star Trek, props to Paramount for, like, I'm not saying this is a good thing or a bad thing. Like, I I don't, I'm gonna say I don't care enough about Star Trek to like have a really strong opinion about this. But at the same time, I have to applaud them for like messing with something so precious to star trek fans and, and so close to the original lore something that you know is literally from the beginning but mr spock like one of the characters if you ask somebody about star trek on the street they're probably going to say spock like he's the one of the most recognizable characters in the entire franchise and then just you know science fiction in general so to mess with that and I, I don't mean mess as in you know mess it up i'm just saying just like change it do something new with it when they didn't have to i think they deserve some applause for that you know obviously people can have opinions on this welcome to their opinions i don't know you know where this could be going 
Um, but you know, I remember watching Discovery and learning about that show and being like, Spock has a sister. What? What's this? Hey, what's it? What's, what's, what's fifth, all this? In the fifth Star Trek movie, he had a brother. So they, right. They can't. Exactly. No one likes that movie, but yeah, they gave him a brother. So. Yeah, exactly. So, like, they change stuff, and I mean, technically change stuff. They're just adding stupid, adding stuff along the way, you know, and, and it's retconning. Stuff happens all the time. And ultimately, it comes down to like, I had a weird reaction to Michael Burnham being Spock's sister, but I think as it panned out, I think it was really well done. I think they obviously had a plan there they had an idea of what they wanted to do and they it was meant to inform not just the character of michael burnham but also spock too um and it continues to inform her character like her being a human that was yeah. you know raised on vulcan and raised in that environment i think still affects her even in the most recent season so like you know i think that's interesting so I mean, obviously you're gonna have questions right like it's like we're watching if this is all canon uh, if Discovery is set in the main timeline and not another one or the Abrams verse, um, you know, it's like, eh, okay, maybe you wonder, like, where was he during TOS the whole time when Spock was doing weird things with Kirk or Wrath of Khan when he died and he came back to life? But eh, maybe they'll have a reason. Nah, who cares? If it's a good story, right. then. Yeah, you really, I mean, I know people don't like hearing this, but you kind of have to trust the storyteller. Or don't watch it. <laughs> just, just don't. You know, it's you got it. You got to. He was somewhere across the galaxy. He wasn't there that day, right? Have you? Okay, have you seen? No, you haven't seen the most recent s s seasons of Discovery. I'm assuming. I haven't watched any of Discovery, but I do. I did see a scene where they showed some clips of Spock from uh, TNG talking about uh, unification. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I'm not gonna say anything. I'm okay. not going to say anything. I'm not going to spoil it to you because eventually you hopefully you will get the chance to go through and watch because you're a big enough fan. If I get Paramount Plus one day in my Right, right. You you'll get you'll get there. You'll get there. Yeah. I'm not going to spoil it, but I will say there is a very very clear reason why Michael Burnham is not around for the original series. Um and it's explained in season 2. Like you watch oh, a couple uh, seasons. I, I do know they travel through the future. Okay, so that's that's you're you're getting there. You're getting there. I will say no more. I will okay. say no more. But it's funny. The whole reason I ended up watching Discovery was like I heard about the time travel. I'm like, I like time travel. I'm gonna go watch this show, and I did. And it's funny, was, you know. You might Star Trek has a lot of time travel. Actually, surprisingly, there are actually quite a lot of early T and TOS episodes that deal with time travel. And one of the Star Trek movies actually is a time travel episode. It's the Star Trek Voyage Home. So they yep. travel to the 80s and have to save the whales. That's actually one of the better Star Trek movies people like. So Classic Save the Whales in San Francisco. That's a, that's a, that's a good movie. I'm sorry. It is. It's a good movie. Oh, good. You um, see. I wasn't sure. Yeah, I have, I've seen most of it. I've seen most of it. I've seen enough to know I love it. So, uh, yeah, um, it, it's funny how the whole approach to time travel is Star Wars won't touch it. Star Wars is like fantasy, but it won't touch time travel. Outside of, World I'm almost worried if Star, Star Wars touches time travel. I don't trust Star Wars to not. <laughs> I'm sure it'll happen eventually, and they're kind of playing with it with the world between world things. But for the most part, they haven't. But Star Trek is like supposed to be like hard, more hard edge sci fi compared to Star Wars. Yet there's time travel all over the place, um, and it's very fantastical in that sense. So. Uh, and yet, yeah. you don't watch Doctor Who that much, and that's a whole show about time travel. I've 
seen enough Doctor Who. I've okay. seen enough Doctor Who. I've, I, I uh, need to go back and watch some more, to be honest, because I, I, I do. I enjoy time travel. I enjoyed Doctor Who from when I saw. Um, I haven't I watched think- anything. It's funny, TNG's biggest movie is also a time travel movie. It's the Star Trek... Uh, generations? No, nah, not gener- Generations, Introduction Nemesis. It's the second one with the Borg. Uh, really? I didn't know there was any time travel in this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I, know, I, I know Generations is, you know, Kirk meeting Picard and all that kind of stuff. Oh, no, 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 that's not that. Actually, that's one of the, they're one of the bad ones. Um, <laughs> sorry if anyone likes it. Um, at Jim just... Uh, I've seen that one, kind of. Um... Dang, I I forgot which one it was. Uh, yeah, see, I I've, I've seen I've seen Wrath of Khan. I've seen I've seen I've seen Hit or Miss through there, and I've seen Voyage Home. Um, I'm really not. I, I want to go. I want to. What I want to do is I want to watch all of them and then review first them contact. on the show. There we go. First contact. Okay, yeah, that makes sense because they go back in time and there's the yeah yeah yeah, I, yeah that makes sense. Every first contact day always comes around. And you always see the memes and like that. So I'm vaguely familiar with that. That's the one with the Borg, and Borg and go back in time to stop the first contact and essentially destroy the Federation. That's where you meet the Borg Queen. That's where the Borg Queen comes from. Yeah. And the Borg Queen apparently is back in Picard, apparently. Yes, she is. I saw her. So, uh, interesting. Very interesting. Um, and very exciting stuff. Um, I'm very much looking forward to Strange New Worlds. Um, I'm I'm hoping you can get uh, Paramount Plus pretty soon so you can watch. I, one thing you need to do, Joel, is just like set aside a month mm-hmm. and then just lock the door to your room and just spend a month just watching Star Trek. And you just sign up for Paramount Plus for a month <laughs> and just go through them all. That's because, all the new ones. It's all the new right, ones. Right. I think they have most of the movies on there too, I think. Maybe not. I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea. Um. So, okay. There is a few other things. Let's let's switch gears a little bit. Switch gears a little bit to uh, a little thing called the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now, um, Spider-Man: No Way Home left it left a lot of things uh, open ended and uh, introduced us to a lot of new interesting things. And uh, obviously, uh, Tobey Maguire is back, and Andrew Garfield's back, and all that kind of stuff. And then uh, to top it all off, we have Multiverse of Madness coming up very very soon. And ever since Spider-Verse, not Spider-Verse, but, you know, Spider-Man No Way Home, we've had all these talks about, are they going to make Spider-Man 4? And who better to answer that question is a guy named Sam Raimi, who is literally in the middle of making Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And he actually spoke about this, among other things. He has two interesting quotes about this that uh, directly relate to this. So first, somebody asked him, I think this comes from uh, Fandango, who asked him, basically, you know, what's what's the deal? Are you going to do more stuff with Marvel? Are you going to maybe do Spider-Man 4? Are you going to do more stuff with Toby? What's going on? And he says, I quote, uh, I've come to realize after making Doctor Strange that anything is possible, really anything in the Marvel Universe, any team-ups. I love Toby. I love Kristen Dunst. I think all things are possible. I don't really have a story or a plan. I don't know if Marvel will be interested in that right now. I don't know whether their thoughts are about this. I haven't really pursued that, but it sounds beautiful. Even if it wasn't a Spider-Man movie, I'd love to work with Toby again in a different role. So Sam Raimi is open to this, guys. Or like, wouldn't it be it's something right if he did Spider-Man 4, but with Tom Holland? It's like, he finally got to make Spider-Man 4. It's a different universe. It's not the one he made, but it's 
finally got to make it. Well, it's funny because uh, John Watts is going to be moving over to Fantastic Four pretty soon. He's going to be busy with that. So, you know, well, does that mean they're going to put Spider-Man 4 on hold or could someone else drop in to do that movie? I don't know. Um, I think everyone would I would think everyone would love to see a Spider-Man 4 as in Toby's Spider-Man 4, that movie that was going to happen. I don't know if that will ever thing, but honestly, you can never say never at this point. You never, never say, you know, something's not going to happen when clearly, you know, the whole idea of freaking Tobey Maguire coming back as Spider-Man was crazy. It happened, guys. It, we freaking saw it in a movie theater. Come on. We got to um, see Will Defoe back at the Green Goblin and terrify another generation of kids. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, never say never. Don't, don't say it can't happen. Um, the fact that, you know, this big coincidence that Sam Raimi is, is returned to Marvel at the same time as Tommy McGuire, I think is really cool. So I was Sony stays away from it all because they are messing up their side of things. Yeah. Um, speaking of mergers or just like Disney, just like give them like a billion dollars for Spider-Man and just let, let it go. Unfortunately, I don't think I think it's a Sony problem. I think they're too proud to give it up. Like, no, Spider Man's our baby. We're we're, we're, well, we're the well, erratic. Spider Man No Way Home is like their most like the biggest success, most successful movie of all time. And they're never giving up Spider Man after this. They got Spider Verse too, which is also hugely successful. Won an Oscar. We're actually going to talk about something related to that later in the show. Um, but uh, yeah, Sony's never giving up Spider Man. Now they have a they're in there, and I you know yeah. Morbius is apparently making money too. Apparently, it's getting very successful too. Even though um, I'm not going to see it, guys. I'm not. Please, I'm not seeing it. <laughs> I have no interest. But go knock yourself out, whatever. And there, you know, I guess uh, a few weird, bad spinoff movies featuring Spider-Man villains, but not featuring Spider-Man. I guess it's a small price to pay for getting to have. Tom Holland, Andrew Garfield, and Tobey Maguire back in this universe and continuing on. And, and you know, there's always the, the room for Andrew Garfield to come back. Um, and apparently, apparently there is a Spider-Man. Am I spoiling this? Does anybody really care? I don't think so. Um, apparently there is a Spider-Man in the Morbius movie. Um, he's not in it, but they're saying that they're going to reveal him soon. And it's not any of the other actors. It's going to be a new not tom holland spider-man so if sony uh, wants to make a spider-man universe which like the sony spider-man and then we got the marvel spider-man which is the best one right now and then you got andrew and toby doing their thing that's fine man you know do their you still as long as sony stays over here and tom holland's trajectory stays over here and as long as sony lets will defoe come back for more green goblin appearances i'm happy I will just I will never forgive Sony for the emotional damage that they gave me and millions of other people when they started talking like they were going to take Spider-Man out of the MCU and Tom Holland like that. That was like the worst, like watching Far From Home. And then they're like, ah, OK, it's we're done. We're going to go make our own Spider-Man movies. Like, what are you talking about? That was that was really bad. I will never forgive them for that. So uh, for especially, that, I am, especially now, it's like. Tom, like I love No Way Home. It's like Tom Holland's story is now even more interesting. Like, what is he gonna do? Is he gonna get back with MJ? Imagine, imagine gotta... if you will. Imagine if you will a scenario where they 
apparently like Tom Holland like worked his worked his butt off to like talk talk to Bob Iger and all those guys and make them work together. Imagine that doesn't happen. We don't get no way home. Imagine a timeline where there's no no way home. There's no Willem Dafoe. There's no Doc Ock. There's no Andrew and Toby and Tom hanging out. There's none of that. Um, how close we came to not getting that is like amazing. I, 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 this is my only chance to talk about No Way Home with you. So on some on a podcast, I'm going to take this. Like you have no idea how much Will Defoe and Alfred Marina coming back for those roles was like meant to me. Like I know, it, like I should totally. be like MCU should have made their own versions. You know, like that's there's an argument there. I get it. But it's like Will Defoe, man, he's like he's still got it. He's still like the definitive icon for cinematic Green Goblin, and it's like. You can't beat Alfred Molina. He defined a generation, and he gets to do it again. Like, there's going to be a whole new generation now. Like, like, they know those two versions of Doc Ock and Green Goblin. Especially Green Goblin, because he, he made it quite the appearance. It's like, there's something there's something almost chilling about the fact that, like, Tom Holland's Green Goblin is the Defoe Goblin. There's just something like, yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, it would have been cool to have a new version. Of course, you know, you should, you should always be open to new interpretations of things. Like how many different versions of Joker there are. Um, they're not all Heath Ledger or Jack Nicholson. Um, but, you know, when heck, you know, I remember people were like, only Jack Nicholson is the true Joker. And then Heath Ledger comes along and it's like, here we are. Um, it's like, there's just something about bringing back Will Defoe and just seeing him do his thing that like just mm, gets, and even giving, you know, Electro another chance. Like uh, exactly. Jamie Fox, like he and the he he deserved like he was my third favorite man. Like I'm, I'm he was so good in that movie. Like oh he he deserved it. He he was so underused. He was he like the the right actor just with the not great script. Right, right, and you know, I I watched Amazing Spider Man, you know, two not too long after I watched No Way Home for the first time. It's not that bad. It's like it's not great, but it's not bad either. Um, and there's a lot of good stuff in that movie. Um, but just overall, the, I mean, just the fact that No Way Home exists and it's a movie and it brought all those actors back and they they committed to doing it. And, you know, the fact that, you know, yeah, it would have been cool. To, you know, I'm, I'm still interested in who could be the MCU version of Green Goblin, who could be the MCU Doc Ock. We can, still get, we can still get those things. Mm-hmm. Those things can still come down the line. We, there, I'm sure there's probably a Norman Osborn or an Otto Octavius somewhere in the MCU, and they're going to show up eventually. But for right now, having no way home and having it be this just, just bursting celebration of Spider-Man and, and the Spider-Man cinematic universe. Seeing um, J.K. Simmons, glad I was even going as far as far from home, but still seeing J.K. Simmons come back as J. Jonah Jameson. It's like, oh my gosh, the, the genuine icon has returned yeah, that's I and I can't wait until like Tom and he Holland seems has, like he's gonna stay, so it's like, yeah, yeah, I can't wait until Tom Holland has to begrudgingly work for that guy. Yes. Like, he's gonna be, he's gonna be like down in his rent. He's gonna, like, oh god, I gotta go, I gotta take pictures for this a hole. Um, even though he he was partially responsible <laughs> for ruining my life, um, you know, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be great. I cannot wait for Spider Man 4, but I'm assuming it's gonna be a while since we see that movie since uh. Tom Holland is is taking a break from acting, I think. Um, well deserved, and mm-hmm. uh, also, I like I said, John Watts is working on Fantastic Four, um, and some other things, and uh, and they gave us No Way Home. I think they deserve a break. You know, yeah. deserve a, take a take a take a, a nice trilogy has been given. 
Yeah, we, we got enough. We got enough mm-hmm. Spider-Man to go on for a little while longer. So yeah, you guys, you guys have at it. Take a little break and uh, come back when you feel like it. Um, speaking of Spider-Man No Way Home, Sam Raimi has something to say about this. He apparently is saying um, that um, Multiverse of Madness will be a continuation of that movie. And he says, I quote, I guess I would say that uh, Spider-Man No Way Home broke open the idea that characters from the multiverse could visit our universes. Um, But this is the first time that the characters from our universe will go out into the multiverse and experience other universes. So it's going to be a continuation. But that, I think, is one of the biggest appeals, finding other realities and how they rhyme with our own and how they are completely opposite or variations thereof. I think therein lies the interest of this picture. So I've heard... Go ahead. I'm, I'm going to say, I, I don't think this is like super spoilery. This isn't like the details of the movie. But I've heard, you know, whispers in, from the MCU side of news and stuff that uh, they did a bunch of reshoots. Oh, no, reshoots. Um, but the reason why they did reshoots, um, for what I've heard, is because um, apparently, because of, I think, No Way's Home success and some other things, um, they want to get in a bunch of multiverse cameos. And I think it's quite possible certain stars from maybe other Marvel films have decided, you know what, let's get back into the game. I mean, that trailer, someone sounded a lot like Patrick Stewart, and they're the Marvel character we all know Patrick Stewart plays. And then speaking, you know, we're just talking about Star Trek, you know, Patrick Stewart, you know, he's being all coy. He's like, I don't know who that is. Like, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, no, it's you, Patrick. Come on. Professor Um, X, maybe. I mean, um, could could we eventually even see Ian McKellen coming in as well? I I think it's going to be wild. I think we're going to see some wild cameos. Um, I personally think this is not based on anything I've heard. Of course, everyone's talking about this could happen. So it's not original thought, but I, I think speaking of uh, Toby Maguire coming back, um, I think we will see Toby Maguire Spider-Man in this movie. I think that's almost a given at this point um, because the Sam Raimi connection. And then apparently Tom Cruise will be Iron Man. Apparently. I maybe we'll see the one of the I've heard like, rumors and whispers of like one of the Fantastic Four from the old Fantastic Four movies. Um, yeah. those two thousand movies, um, which aren't that great, but I like the cast. Um, yeah, because uh, one of of course it's like the Illuminati Council yeah. that that Doctor Strange is going into, and one of the council members is Reed Richards, and we don't have a Reed Richards yet in the MCU. So some people are saying, well, it could be the Reed Richards from the original Fantastic Four movies, which I think would be wonderful like i think yeah. it'd be great um or something along those lines and then you also got like one of them supposed to be black panther and supposed to be t'challa of course chadwick Boseman's no longer with us so people are saying well maybe it's maybe it's like dark version of black panther maybe it's michael b jordan maybe. um killmonger who knows um i'm interested to see like who's gonna be who else is gonna be on that council um but i just like Raimi's perspective on this that like this is like no way home was like okay we're in this universe and the the multiverse is coming in now multiverse of madness will literally be about these characters leaving the mcu and going you know planet hopping and whatever going across the multiverse and going into the multiverse um which is not too dissimilar to spider-man into the spider-verse which is the second one is called across the spider-verse and if you watch the trailer it's like instead of Miles Morales dealing with the multiverse 
madness of his own you know he's crossing the multiverse going out into it so uh, i'm hyped for multiverse of madness and i didn't even see the first doctor strange movie um but I, sam raimi coming this much but sam raimi coming back like that just to me alone just like intrigues me it's like ooh, sam raimi i haven't seen you in years so it's like what are you here to bring to the table mr raimi I think I think what excites me about this, and I, I, I and this is no disrespect to like any of the Marvel people or whatever else, because I, I truly I love the MCU, I love what Marvel Studios has been doing, but they have hit a a lot of the movies. I think even like the the Russo brothers and all this kind of stuff, they kind of hit a visual style of like kind of there's no flair to it. It's kind of like basic production design, colors, whatever. There's no real flair to it, and. You know, they, they don't they really have like, oh, you can see like that is that's a Russo Brothers movie or whatever else. There's not really a lot of that going on, even though those movies are beautiful in a lot of ways. They're also kind of bland in other areas. Can I just say, can I just say to anyone there who's that saying, you know, we should have three Star Wars movies a, week, a year. This is the problem when you get three Marvel movies a year. Their CGI departments are stretching thin. So it's like they're I mean, they're already overworked and overpaid, underpaid anyway. So it's like. Least with Star Wars, when they're making a movie, they're focused on that one movie, make sure it's pretty, pretty. Um, so, and and I and see that's my whole thing with like Mar my Star Wars movies. Like I was in love with the idea so long for like, oh yeah, Star Wars movie every year. That's great, but that means that Star Wars movies are going to be mass produced. There's going to be an assembly line of things. I'm I'm not saying that's what's happening with Marvel Studios kind of is they have a quota and they have to make these movies and they're i think they are genuinely passionate about these movies and they want to make them the best they could be it's a little ultimate i'm gonna say Go it's a little easier with marvel because you know at worst you can just film in new york like you're you know you're filming exactly. the real with star wars in the whole That's... fantasy world so it's like you gotta build it from scratch and it's like if you're building a fantasy world from scratch and a mass production you're just getting gonna have to go to tatooine every other day um well, look at, which is kind of like... happening with the disney plus stuff but not like I don't know, I don't know if you've seen any Moon Knight, Moon Knight yet, but like you know, Moon Knight is like the, the 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 first the first episode is just it's in London. Like the yeah. you know, I don't think they had to do a whole lot of special effects to it. Like there's one scene, like there's a lot, obviously a lot of special effects, but like for the most part, it's just filmed in the real world. You can't do that with Star Wars. You have to create everything, every environment, every place has to be created, and every costume, and everything. You know, you just put Oscar Isaac in a suit, and then, you know, in London, and you got Moon Knight. You know, that's fine. Um, so I think that works better for Marvel. I think when you're talking about Star Wars, you're talking about meeting deadlines and like right. making, oh, we have to make this many series and, and movies per year. It gets a little, you know, it gets a little murky. But back to my point. So I just love that Sam Raimi is a guy with immense style, immense. He brings such gravitas. He has this, you know, very much, very specific viewpoint on everything and he really is marvel royalty i think he the mcu he owes so out. much to him to the yeah. fact that if that first spider-man the first three spider-man movies don't work especially the first one um you know we don't get the mcu we don't have the the superhero you know renaissance that we're living in right now i, I um, will say there if i could criticize no way home for something it's like they said, thank you, Avi Arad, for, uh, like, dude, we all know Avi Arad's kind of responsible for why Sam Raimi had to leave Spider-Man for, and we got the Amazing Spider-Man. And I like the Amazing Spider-Man, but come on. 
Sam Raimi deserved that thank you more than Nafia Rod, if you know anything about him. Yeah, they, I think they were just like, hey, thanks for coming. Go away, Nafia Rod. Um, I hope, so, no, uh, I hope uh, Multiverse of Madness says thank you, Sam Raimi, for essentially rebooting superheroes for a next century. He is, he is, Sam Raimi is to like modern superhero films what Richard Donner was to oh, like, yeah. just the sh- superhero genre in general. Like Superman started everything, mm-hmm. but like Sam Raimi came along with Spider Man and rebooted it and just like kicked it into high gear where we're sitting in, in here now. So, uh, mm-hmm. so him coming back, him having his own visual style. All the horror elements, the fact that they were talking about this being kind of a horror film. I don't know if they're going to be leaning on that as much, but it is Sam Raimi. That's where his roots are. So, like, it, everything about this looks really, really good. This could be one of the most interesting and, and most one of the most visually and story based, interesting, most interesting movies I think to date for the MCU. I hope that that his that Multiverse of Madness success gets Marvel to bring in more bigger name directors. That's something I noticed about Marvel is like for after kind of phase one, you don't really the directors they hire aren't big names. Like, you know, phase one's had John Favreau, um, Richard Brana, uh Kevin Brana, uh, you know, even the infamous Josh Whedon. Um, you know, uh you know, those big guys, big names, big fellas, you know, and then you know got James Gunn for Guardians. We don't really know anything about the Russos. I don't know anything about John Watts outside of Spider-Man. Um, and I'm not saying, you know, you need big names for success. You know, those movies have been successful. Um, but Shane Black, Fireman 3. Um, right. And he's a big he's a big name. So, like, and they kind of stopped after kind of phase three. And they haven't, and the only big kind of big name they have left is kind of James Gunn for Guardians. And that's why Guardians is kind of the one that sort of stands out in terms of a style and a, in a kind of finesse while the other movies are kind of more i mean i'm not i'm not saying they're badly directed but there's definitely something about the directors are kind of more controlled by the studio compared to like say again star wars where it's like say what you will about jj abrams or ryan johnson you know abrams will do what he abrams will do he he is he got his own studio behind him and they seem to ryan johnson seems to uh, he was a bit more in that young director kind of motif but they pretty much let him do whatever and he obviously had you know a couple movies under his belt that had very personalized feeling toward them even something like ron howard solo had a bit of ron howard dna in that movie so um i just i just hope that multiverse of madness is successful and marvel starts bringing in directors who kind of have pre-established flair and a little bit more bend the mcu model if that makes sense yeah, well, and it's funny. It's something interesting that someone online pointed out to me was the fact that if I think if you watch the the first or the second trailer for for Doctor Strange: Multiverse of Madness, um, there's a title card in there that says "From Director Sam Raimi," and like that's kind of unprecedented for for an MCU movie, considering that like they don't put title cards for the directors because, as you're saying, mm-hmm. they're usually not known commodities. Um, I think the only other like real reference to this. They may have done one for James Gunn, and then they had Chloe Zhao recently for Eternals. Obviously, Academy Award winner Chloe Zhao, and obviously that's a big deal. Um, and say what you want about Eternals, I think I applaud that movie for 
doing something different and it's it's a beautiful film and i think chloe Zhao, i think directing wise did a magnificent job um i would love to see more from her um but like overall yeah you're right they don't marvel kind of has a bit of a one-man show and it's kevin feige who makes the magic and i think it's not really true if i can if i can play the cynic here just for a second i think it's easier for like a giant company like marvel to kind of push around someone who is a new a kind of a noob director who is not things if you, if you bring in sam raimi you got to play ball with him you got to you got to do you bring in a steven spielberg matt reeves or a matt reeves or anybody that's got some clout that knows what they're doing you don't you're not going to push them around you're going to play ball with them they're working with you you're not working with them so you know, whereas they got a John Watts, they got a you know a, a Peyton Reed, which all due respect to those guys, I love those guys and their and their movies, but they're not they don't have as much sway in Hollywood to like do what they want. They're basically there to execute Kevin Feige's vision, which is the job. But ultimately, this is a creative process. You want people that are in and out and and it's willing little, to take take chances. Here's something I'm sure will blow your folks' your audience mind. So like George Lucas with Empire and Jedi, you know, it's sort of like everyone, the fan of like George made the magic and obviously George had a lot of, I think George honestly had more creative input with Empire and Jedi than Ken Feige even does with the Marvel films, because uh, uh, I know George wrote the scripts, um, but you know, it's like, you know, he gave Irvin Kirshner the directing, it's like, hey, here's my vision, Kasdan, Kirshner, you go for it, um, he let Kirshner more or less do his thing. Marquani kind of had to kind of shadow direct a lot uh, with Jedi, and you can tell. Um, but you know, it's kind of Marvel in some ways is fo- followed the the past Star Wars almost took. Um, it had George kind of went more with the oversee the show run the whole thing, right. but kind of let other directors and writers kind of do the day to day work um, yeah, creatively. Because yeah, because that's the that's the funny thing about George is George is like... the proto Kevin Feige. Yeah, and and George was George famously hates writing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he probably hates directing too, and he just loves to edit movies. and And he's quoted as saying, "Like, hey, I I I need stuff to edit, so I need to go make movies and direct and write them." So you know, coming off of that, the fact that George directed all his movies, it was just a simple fact of he wanted complete control. He wanted to execute his vision. Um, and maybe maybe that's a feather in Kevin Feige's hat that he's kind of been brought up and he was he was working on the X-Men movies and all this kind of stuff. He's always been in the background, finally came to the front. And I guess maybe it's it's good for him because I guess he's learned to work with everyone. He, I he's think, not I think Feige this, knows he's not a director or a writer. He's a producer. He, and I'm he's sure there, he he's there to support he's there to guide the ship and support everyone. But he's also willing to give credence to whoever and then let them make their story, make their movies, which I think is is very respectable. Um, I think well, I saw Ray just read something the other day. I think it was a few hours ago where they said that uh, Multiverse of Madness will be the first movie to have a title card, uh, a Kevin Feige film. Which it because I guess because Avi Arad is out and Ike Perlmutter is out and all those really, really really weird bad dudes. Um, so now Kevin Feige seems to have like almost complete control over that. Which you know I'm also not a I'm not a 
total fan of like someone having complete control over something. One person, like it needs to be a collaborative effort, but I think Feige knows what he's doing. So, uh, so yeah, that's, that should be good. Oh, real quick. I want to, something else I also want to mention. Um, so, uh, Thor 11 thunder coming down the pipe very soon. I think I'm not so sure, but I'm pretty sure if I had to guess, this will be the next big genre trailer we will see drop pretty soon. Um, we've been expecting this for a while. Apparently, the press tour has begun. Uh, uh, Taika Waititi and, and Chris, uh, uh, I want to say Chris Pine. Oh my God. Uh, see, I got Star Trek in the brain. Chris Hemsworth. Too many Chris's. Um, too, too many Chris's. Um, they're out um, doing the whole press tour thing, so I, which seems weird to me because I'm like, just make you drop a trailer first and have something. Like they haven't really at least anything for this movie other than the title. Um, but uh, there has been some imagery leaked out. Um, there's some, I believe, it's popcorn buckets that I'm showed excited. up on Twitter, um, and it shows a uh, uh, Thor and Jane in her mighty Thor uh, getup, oh, and. So Looks really cool. So like, I'm double, excited double before for this, this time. Film. I'm excited because a Natalie Portman's coming back. Like time to redeem her character. Um, oh yeah. Because like a I I mean for one thing, I mean I I saw her in the first Thor film. She's okay. Natalie Portman. Second film, she got definitely kind of shafted, and there's a whole story about that's why she quit. Um, the whole thing with Ike Perlmutter and stuff like that. Um. I love Thor Ragnarok, and I love Taiko Atiti. That's actually, Thor Ragnarok, I take it back, Thor Ragnarok's another movie where I feel I had a bit more of an identity in terms of, like, this is Taika Waititi um, doing his thing. Absolutely. And great example. And what, what I fear, I think even this this next one will be even more Taika Waititi. Like, he'll have even more kind of direct input from the get-go of kind of the direction this the Thor franchise takes. Um, tonally, script-wise, I don't think he wrote the Thor Ragnarok. I think he kind of, like, they had a script, and then they gave it to Taika, and he kind of, like, he threw it out, and so, like, he kept the beats, but, like, all improv, and I think this time he'll write a whole script himself, which is good, because I, I he, you know, I've seen some Taika films, and they're, like, the dude can, like, the dude can be both heartfelt and funny, so I'm excited for that. I'm excited for Lady Thor, you know, yeah. I want to see, I want to see Natalie Portman as a superhero, um, and yeah. I just... I'm cur- and this will have the volume. This will be a movie made with the volume. So a little That's Star Wars, like a, so it's going to be see, see the volume work for movies now outside of just TV. So that'll be very interesting. And obviously, Taika has experience with the volume via Star Wars. So it's like he's kind of another bigger name director they have. Marvel has under its belt right now, and he's probably getting more influence and creative control because of it. Yeah, yeah, you uh number one, Taika is someone who is an excellent example of like having that fingerprints on it. Like you can watch anything he does and you can see like you watch watch the last episode of season one of Mandalorian. Like that's got Taika Waititi written all over it, you can tell. Uh number two, Natalie Portman is someone who I thought was completely done with Marvel. Ne- I never in a million years would I thought she would come back when they when when they're talking about yeah oh I broke up with Jane in Thor Ragnarok I'm like okay that's it they're 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 not even gonna bother with this they're just gonna write her out of the movie and she's done and then lo and behold 
you bring her back and you know it's just it's just great i think it's it's a great idea too because uh apparently i think i think in the comics she has cancer or something like that and then they, they bring her back it's like a really interesting idea um and a good way to bring her back and and they've the mcu has not and possibly lgbtq relationship with the valkyrie if that's if i remember isn't the premise valkyrie needs to find her queen right yeah, I think that's what they said at Comic Con like f- ten years ago. Whatever yeah, happened. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, there's some hap happening there. Um, and uh, love Valkyrie, love oh, all the characters, man. And and Korg's back apparently, and the Guardians are in there, and it's just so much good stuff. Like so much good stuff. So uh, yeah, I I this one is like I keep forgetting about it because there's no trailer or anything like that. But like low key, one of the most my most highly anticipated movies of the year. Um, is mean, it hey. is it coming out this year? It's coming out this year, right? I I God always forbid forget. we have another wave of something. No, I I always forget. I, 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 if it's not this year, it's next year, right? Because like, okay, because like you're starting the pre- yeah, it's July eighth. July eighth is one. Okay, okay. I mean, like, I'm if, always confused. if they're starting the press tour, it would have to come out. I don't know what I was thinking. I'm but, always yeah. confused because like I'm never quite sure. Like. Well, hey, we don't know when Taika's Star Wars movie's coming out. Lord knows it will ever come out. Uh, yeah. um, so. But it's like, it has to be, like, it's not 2023, so it's like either 2026 or 2029. If that, if those are the three Star Wars movies they have in the docket, it's like, it's got to be one of those three. So I hope. We, we, as of recording this, we are, are exactly three months away from this coming out. So Yay, uh, not I'm far, excited. not long, much, much closer than we were. I think we were already supposed to have seen this movie. I think it was supposed to be out by now. I think, I think all the other stuff in the world happening, I think pushed it back at some point. Or maybe it didn't. I don't know. Um, but yeah, that's uh, cannot wait for that. Cannot wait. Okay. So moving on to another franchise, one that's near and dear to our hearts and, and near and dear to our good buddy, Zach. I'm sorry he wasn't here to talk about this. And I know somewhere right now he's very, very excited about this because the uh, official runtime for Jurassic World Dominion has been officially released. This comes from comicbook.com. They report, with the upcoming Jurassic World Dominion set to be the biggest adventure the franchise has seen, it only makes sense that it has also earned the series' longest runtime with one-take news first reporting and seemingly confirmed by Collider that the film clocks in about two hours and 26 minutes. So most of the films, the franchise clock in just over two hours, making this the longest entry in the series by nearly 20 minutes, end quote. So big, big movie. Obviously, you got the old cast coming back, the new cast coming in, some new faces thrown in there, and a lot's happening. Well, in, I'm uh, glad Colin Trevorrow gets to finish at least one trilogy. Um, <laughs> Poor guy. I've yeah, actually seen some shade thrown at Star Wars because the Jurassic World was like, well, at least they got the original three to be together in this sequel trilogy. Oh, God. I know. Um, I, I, I feel like I'm the anti Zach right now because I actually don't really enjoy the Jurassic World movies. I've only seen really? the first one. I saw the first one and it's like, it's fine. Like, I enjoy yeah, maybe the T Rex. Maybe it's a good thing Zach is in here. Maybe it's a good thing. Yeah, like, I, I, I enjoy seeing the T Rex fight the Indominus and kick its butt. But, like, eh, in terms of, like, I felt I enjoyed Force Awakens in terms of reboot franchise semi sequels better. Um, at the time, I actually didn't see Jurassic World 2. I didn't hear great things about it. Um, it, I have, 
I had mixed feelings about it at the time. I need to go back and watch it because of you know my my opinions change over the time. And, and I will give Camp Cretaceous a try one day because I I've heard from like people who don't like Jurassic World, people who do like oh, that's actually pretty legit good. It's it's I I put it in the same vein as like a lot of Star Wars animation that it like it 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 takes it. I don't want to say it like improves the movies because it's not that connected, but like if you've seen like specifically Jurassic World and even Fallen Kingdom, it it, it ties in directly with those and it's very interesting. Um and a really good story. And and it and it, and for a quote unquote kids animated series, cartoon or whatever else, it goes to some dark places that I, a I lot never of kids really kid animated shows these days go to some dark places. It's exactly not that rare in these days, thank goodness. Right. So, uh, yeah, get two and a half hours for Jurassic World Dominion. Um, I, I get... will say for Dominion, I'm a little intrigued. It's like it feels like this is kind of the movie I, we've all, a lot of us kind of wanted to see. Like, just let's just go complete nuts and make the world a, a dystopia future where dinosaurs rule. Like that's right. kind of like okay, something new than just the island is gone to Hawaii, Hawaii again. Oh no. Yeah, and then see that's the thing with like Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. I was like I had mixed feelings about that movie, but I was like where it ended, where it things spoiler alert, like having dinosaurs basically all over the world, like that's interesting. That's taking this franchise a place where it's never been before. And it's very, very exciting. So Jurassic World Dominion, it 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 could still suck. I'm I'm just gonna say it, it could suck. The but premise sounds more interesting. I'll say that it does. It's it sounds a lot better, and I think this could be it's going. It's definitely going in the right direction. Having the original cast back, having a literal Jurassic World, I think is uh, very, very interesting. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Very, very. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Honestly, I think that comes out. When does that come out? Jurassic World Dominion comes out June 10th. So even before Thor: Love and Thunder. How? Do, okay, yeah. I guess we've got like we've got multiple trailers for Dom, Dominion and no trailers for Thor: Love and Thunder. Interesting. All right. Well, not that far. Even closer now. About two months away. All right. Um, okay, real quick, I'm going to run through our little um, Patreon plug, and then we'll hit the last two uh, bits of news because they're, they're exciting ones. They're actually some of my favorite ones. I think that's why I saved them for last. So special thanks to our buddies Joey Mays and Jesse Bennett for their support of the show. They are Patreons of the IPC podcast. They are at the shout-out friend tier and they get a shout out every single episode and so because they contribute uh their their well-earned money and keep the show afloat we uh give them a shout out and give them extra privileges and uh, if you want access to this stuff including an exclusive group um which gives you behind the scenes access to the show um influence on the show itself even get to be on the show and uh all whole lot of the stuff you get to see access to the show notes um all kinds of stuff be sure to hit us up at patreon.com slash the ipc podcast um and as i said um peacekeeper core is a secret group no one can get into unless you're a patron um and you get top billing during our top five segments so we, we do these massive top five episodes um you are guaranteed to not only get your get your list read on the show but also um Get it read first. So it's good stuff. That's a lot of good. That's a lot of good stuff. It's um, good stuff. 
Absolutely. And, and then also, say, uh, by the way, sorry to the comments. I have not, I didn't actually look at the comments, but it's like, oh, people have been commenting. So, hello, oh my gosh. I am, I'm sorry. I've Even been like, my co host was here actually talking when we talked about Star Trek an hour ago. I apologize to that. Um, but no, nah, it's like, oh, there's lots of good stuff here. Hello, commenters, if you're still here. <laughs> if not, it's okay. Sorry, sorry, guys. I, I didn't. How could you spoil? I'm, see, I'm catching up in the comments now. I'm sorry. Someone, uh, Jeremy, is talking about all uh, complaining about uh, spoiling Morbius. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um. Okay. Okay. Um. Now getting back on track. I can't believe I've been ignoring comments. I just had the tab turned off. Ah, oh, that's awful. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. We're, we'll, we'll get back on track. Um, one more thing, one more thing, one more thing, and then we'll get on with the show. Um, we got uh, our friend uh, Jesse. Jesse Bennett um, is also um, a subscriber uh, to our Patreon, and he is at the uh, Patreon advertisement thing. And have a little reader for uh for you guys um to read off for his new for his podcast. I believe it's returning now. And and yes, Jesse, I got your message. I just haven't been taking my messages lately because I've been busy. Um, but we're working on something. Um, but uh, they say over at Question Possible Answer, we review movies while also trying to incorporate real world physics into the movie and see how much the story would change. Sometimes it is simple as what if this person wasn't in the movie. For more information, check out our socials over on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Question Possible Answer and, of course, listen on your favorite pod catcher. All right. Um, let's get into it. Okay, so there's one last thing. There's one little bit of Star Wars news, and then we'll get into Lightyear. So this has just come out like today, like within the last few hours. Um, Peter Ramsey tapped as a director of ahsoka the latest star wars series this comes via the hollywood reporter um peter ramsey is going to be going from the spider-verse to the star wars universe the director who became the first black filmmaker to win the animated feature oscar as co-director of spider-man into the spider-verse yeah, i told you they come back um has been <laughs> tapped to direct at least one episode of ahsoka the latest star wars series of lucasfilm is making for Disney Plus. The Hollywood Reporter has exclusively learned. Mm. Shooting begins in Los Angeles this month. This episode count and uh, additional directors have not been revealed. Uh, Lucasfilm, in typical fashion, has not commented on this story. Um, so we have one of the directors of Spider Man Into the Spider Verse, which is genuinely one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, is going to be directing at least one episode, if not the whole thing. I mean, we don't know that for a fact. They're saying other directors could be um, announced. Who knows? I would be surprised if Filoni directed at least three or the first one or something. Right, right. But then you have Deborah Chow who's taken over the entire Obi Wan Kenobi right. thing. So who knows? But uh, we don't have that information yet. But the fact that he's going to be involved is really, really cool. I think this is especially poetic, being that. He's someone that I don't I don't know his filmography. I don't know where he's come from in regards to you know what he's worked on in the past, but the fact that he's known so well for something uh, like I like, did a little research on him. He's okay. primarily an animation director. He's just done into the Spider-Verse. I don't think he has a live action credit. Wow. So this uh, would be maybe be his first live action credit, which is interesting, being that 
Dave Filoni is also someone who came from animation. It really feels poetic to have someone like Peter Ramsey come in and do a live action series for a character that is primarily primarily known as a animated character. I think it's. I mean, I, I've joked with a friend on a, on a forum today, and it's like, what if Filoni only hires those who've only done animation for Ahsoka? And I actually think that would be an interesting kind of creative decision to kind of bring that animation background to a live action Star Wars. Because I love Star Wars animation. Like, Star Wars animation right. has always been some of the most beautiful, interesting stuff. And, like, you know, I, I've said in emails on, on Underworld, I've said just to myself and to friends, like, this could, as much as we think this could be the search for Thrawn and Ezra, there could be some weird Mortis world between world stuff going on. And I think it'd be interesting to have those with a more animated eye and to do the more spectacular Star Wars in live action kind of come on to this. Because... You know, The Mandalorian, Kenobi, Book of Boba Fett, they all, they're more grounded in kind of that original trilogy kind of vibe of Earth tones and like, yeah, there's some magical, mystical stuff to it and time, but like, it's still dirty. It's like, here's the cantina, here's the kind of the grungy city. Like, you know, we got the cool little space city in Book of Boba season, season, season one with the Mandalorian episode and... You know, I'm sure we'll see some cool stuff for like Nur in Obi-Wan. But for most part, like, we haven't done the crazy Mortis kind of wacky stuff. And maybe having kind of those animation people behind it kind of can give that kind of same oomph to the live action in a way. Kind of kind of fuse the two together in a sense. Yeah, because and, and then we also have to consider the fact that it's not just going to be Ahsoka. Apparently, we're getting Sabine in this. We're getting Ezra in this. We're getting Thrawn. Um, it would seem so. You know, we're getting a lot of characters that have only appeared in lot in animation showing up in live action. I think it's interesting to grab a director like this who has a a huge background in, in animation to kind of like yeah. to make this transition happen and make it. You know, because I think obviously, in regards to this, we have this situation where a ton of people are coming in and they've never seen any of this before. They're not going to know who Sabine or even Ahsoka or Ezra or any of these things. But you come out of this, there's also going to be a ton of people that are very familiar with this, mm-hmm. us included that are going to be looking over every fine detail of this and, and, you know, dissecting all this. And is this really Sabine? And then, you know, all this kind of stuff is not my Thrawn hashtag. Like, you know, there's all, there's gonna be- I, mean, I hope they get Lars Mickelson to do Thrawn. I mean, we don't apparently, know. Sure. Apparently they will. So that's going to be a really good translation, I think. But, you know, I think Sabine's going to be playing a different actress. We also have Rosario Dawson. So it's going to be an interesting thing too. So having this translation, but having someone who is dealt with animation kind of do this, I think he will be of the same mind as Filoni uh, in regards to, you know, coming from a similar place. So uh, I think this is really good. I think obviously having an Academy Award winner working on Star it's, Wars and and a person of color is just great. Of course, yeah. I mean, especially in terms of like you know a background and like usually like you know it's kind of like the like. Ahsoka in like a more majestic setting um, with like a stylized perspective. Like, 
Now, Into the Spider-Verse is super stylized. It's like one of the most stylized movies out there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, it, and even like the modeling kind of, I mean, it's not realistic, but it's got a kind of a photo kind of edge to it. So it's like, I'm kind of curious what kind of backgrounds and worlds they, they can use and what the volume can make with it. Um, you know, and kind of just like put Ahsoka into like a more, I don't want to say cartoonish because that's not the right word, but kind of more fantastical setting. I, I think that's a great point. I think, no, I'm not saying that like I want, you know sabine flipping around and seeming because like all oh, this animation can be very floaty it can make the characters feel lit, a little bit lighter than air and kind of flip around and that that's fine it's animation uh, i'm not saying i want that in the show but it would be nice to have a bit of a balance and have like hey these are characters that we're used to seeing in this fashion now they're going to be in this grounded real environment um that is the mandal mandovers um, I hope they go a little more fantastical. I hope they go a little more because I think Mando and Book of Boba Fett kind of stick really grounded. They're very like, you know, this is real. This is gritty Star Wars. I hope Ahsoka goes the other direction. I hope we can get some really, for lack of a better term, wacky stuff. That Soak in the world is, between worlds again. Exactly. So, and then we're apparently going to get Hayden Christensen as Anakin. This okay. This show's already blowing my mind. Um, so yeah, it's it's there's going to be a lot in this show already, and uh, yeah, this this sounds like a perfect show. And what so. I did say, I, I would be thinking it'd be cool if all the directors were like from a bunch who are only animated people. You know, I I do want uh, Steph. I would say Steph Steph Green and Bryce Dallas Howard to come back. Uh, I would love that. I would yeah. love that. I feel like Bryce Dallas Howard like has a golden ticket to direct anything she wants in Star Wars, especially TV now, um, because they know like because now it's just like if you say this episode is directed by, by Bryce Dallas Howard, everyone's like, okay, this is gonna be a good episode. Oh yeah, it's gonna be good. This is Bryce Dallas Howard episode, and it usually is. So, uh, um, yeah, I just I love that. I love that. So uh, we're 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 in for a treat. Either way, it's gonna be great. Okay, okay. Before we run out of time tonight, let's talk about Lightyear. Yeah. We're picking up where we left off. We are ending where we began with Lightyear. I cannot, I think you're in the same boat with me. I cannot put into words how excited I am for this movie. That we got a new TV spot for it. It looks so good. Pixar is knocking out of the park once again. And it feels a little Star Wars, feels a little sci-fi, feels a little Star Trek so many things in this it just looks incredible and you know it's not your typical pixar fair it's not this goofy movie you know it is kind of some goofiness to it but it also seems very grounded and a lot of fun and you know this newest tv spot really got me even more hyped than i thought i could be oh i'm this is the pixar movie i'm gonna see in theaters and i haven't seen a pixar film in theaters since i don't remember I mean, Finding Dory, but that was a uh, odd one. Um, I think I watched Toy Story four, and I, I cried like a baby. Um, and that's the last time I was in the theater for Pixar. And before that, it was who knows how long. I didn't see Toy Story four at all. Um, but dang, I have to. That's one I have to catch up on. On, but um, bring the tissue. Bring the tissues. Oh, of course. But you know, this is this movie just seems like special. Just even the animation. It looks different from the other Pixar films I've seen, and I, I don't know how to quite describe it. But it's like, I agree. It's just there's they're doing something with this particular movie. Um, oh, and we we see Zerg. We finally see Emperor Zerg. I know. He's, a, he's a big robot dude. That's cool. 
I'm kind of curious if, like, if this is, like, Proto-Zerg, or this is, like, his origin story, and, like, are they going to give him the cape eventually, and, like, because, you know, it's, it's, it's based off the toys, you know, he's evil Emperor Zerg, so it's, like, is Zerg just a machine who decides to become an emperor at the end, or, like, I'm kind of curious how that, this all kind of works, and kind of, like, I'm curious the mythology of, of Lightyear that they're going to make with this, with this movie, because um, I kind of have like my own preconceptions because of the Buzz Lightyear animated show that they made a, right. and, but this is the more serious kind of mythological version of the Lightyear mythology. So it's like, what is Zerg then in this universe? Like, what is what is the real Zerg like uh, essentially? Yeah, that's what I'm really interested in because, like, and I, I think maybe I said something similar last time. But I'm, I'm going to say it again because I'm very curious about this. And I'm very interested in like how deep this is going to go with the Lightyear, Buzz Lightyear, Toy Story kind of mythology. We're told this movie is supposed to be the, it's a movie within a movie, basically. It's like when Andy was getting hyped, when he got that Buzz Lightyear action figure, he's like, yes, I got it. He's thinking about this movie. This is the movie that he went to see and get hyped about Buzz Lightyear. And so basically it's a more grounded, a more realistic version of like what we see of the toy version, obviously. And there's certain things like his uh, his his laser pointer is like a, it's like a blaster almost. It kind of like fires like right. like these laser bullet things, which is really cool. And it's, and it looks just everything looks big, but it's also like very kind of realistic and uh, more faithful to the original design. I mean, he's in a you know a green and white suit. Like it's 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 pretty spot on, but it's obviously changed up to make make it look more like a, an actual space costume. But I'm just curious, like, what the mythology is, because there's so much there with, you know, everything from Toy Story 1, him talking about, I have the the plans to destroy the Death Star. He basically, the, he, explains the Death plot Star. Of, he, he explains the plot of Star Wars and, like, that whole thing. And obviously it's an homage, like, are they going to take some of that? Are they going to lean into the whole idea of, like, this is kind of inspired by Star Wars, kind of a, you know, Toy Story's version of Star Wars, Star Trek, whatever, because he, he gives the Vulcan salute <laughs> in Toy Story 1. And then you have the whole thing with, like, obviously it's a joke, but it is in there. Zerg is like, I am your father. Like, that's a, that's a plot line in Toy Story 2. Are they going to go there? Like, are we going to get that? I don't know. But I know. Um, and, you know, and, and it's, it's funny, like, the way, you know, like, Buzz is, Buzz is more Captain Kirk than he is Luke Skywalker, even though he's searching for the Death Star plans. Right. And it's sort of funny that uh, uh, Chris Evans, too many Chris's, Chris Evans' Lightyear reminded me a little of Chris Pines' Captain Kirk in terms of, like, a little less hammy, not, you know, not like the Kirk Enterprise, Spock, you know, not the Will Shatner kind of over-the-topness, um, and it's kind of like this Chris Evans like you're a bit more a little less machismo and kind of kind of like Captain America essentially Steve Rogers right basically Captain America in space which right. we have seen but you know not 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 quite to this extent mm -hmm. um but I, I I do like I I like the kind of the premise of this it's not like uh, oh they're on Earth like they it seems from what I take from this it's like they're kind of on this mission and they've been out here maybe I don't know how long they're out in deep space and they're on this planet with it's infested with drain gear maybe they go to dagobah apparently one shot right like and so blast off and i guess maybe buzz has to get back to earth maybe i'm not sure um to go get help or whatever um but it's a very interesting premise i i like that it's very right. the animation is more 
maybe grounded more realistic a little bit, but it's still got the Pixar isms. It's very the people are kind of mm-hmm. a little exaggerated, not quite as much as like the Incredibles. So it's more like a monster kind of chase them than he is. Like uh, that's again, I hate to go, oh, make it about Zerg, but Zerg's kind of my, my favorite character. Like he's one of my favorite Disney villains. And it's sort of like this. This Zerg feels more like the monster chasing you than kind of the evil emperor scheming plotting. And it's sort of like I'm kind of curious. It's like. Is that even Zerg? Is that going to be the Zerg we know? Or is it going to be just this thing controlling? And there's another Zerg? Or will this Zerg gain intelligence as time goes on and become more the schemer plotter who builds the Death Star-like weapon? Uh, I, if they even decide to do that, if they want to rip right, off Star it's, Wars. It's funny, because I'm kind of wondering, like, okay, if this is if this is a... If the toy version of Buzz Lightyear that we see in Toy Story is supposed to be based on this movie. Buzz Lightyear in this movie. Um, how faithful is it and how much creative liberties are they taking? Or are we supposed to believe that like maybe in that universe they had Buzz Lightyear Star Command? Like they had that animated series and that's kind of what it's based on. And then the Lightyear movie is like a gritty reboot of that. I mean, it's possible that... Like, you know how you get an, an Iron Man toy that talks and sounds nothing like Tony Stark? <laughs> and then they kind of have other versions of MCU, of Marvel stuff that's, like, nothing like the movies? Maybe it's like that, where it's like, this is the original movie that started the franchise, and then they make the cruddy toys that don't sound like anything like the actors. Or even, like, or, like, act like the characters. There's no nuance. It's just, Buzz Lightyear to the rescue! Um, and then the toys are, like, the cheapo animated... M- series that they make because they don't want to put money into it uh, like marvel the, does I and i'm sorry to the... people who love the marvel animated stuff now i'm sorry there's yeah. good marvel animated stuff out there watch Six spectacular spider-man it's the best animated spider-man show um <laughs> it's true um but i just love the fact that they've basically they're basically retconning it so that tim allen is a cheap knockoff of Chris Evans' Buzz Lightyear. It <laughs> would totally what... happen, wouldn't it? Tim Allen would be the cheap knockoff to Chris Evans. Yeah, but uh, it, it just looks so good. Like it looks really good, and it's it's very different from anything I've seen before from Pixar. And and Pixar, you know, they they've had their screw ups, but I think for the most part, they really they produce winners. And I'm very I'm just I, very, I, I, I can't wait to see this in a theater. I don't I don't want to say this feels like the first adventure Pixar film. I mean, you know, I mean, but I'm trying to think of, like, all the Pixar movies. But all of the, I mean, all the Pixar movies had an adventure to it, like Toy Story and stuff. It's like, you know, Toy Story, about toys who come to life, cars. It's about cars in the little town. This feels like, sci, this is like Pixar's trying to do, I don't want to say serious sci-fi, because, like, Inside Out is obviously, I mean, Inside Out is, that's not sci-fi, but it's, like, it's serious. But, like, serious action-adventure sci-fi, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It feels more, it feels like the most, the best word I can put to it, the most mature, the most realistic. Like, in the sense that, like, I don't want to say sincere, because I think all the Pixar movies, to an extent, are sincere, even though I don't they're comedies. Sure either, <laughs> they're they're goofy, but they're also they they're believing in what they're doing. They're, it's ridiculous sometimes, whether it's you know, 
two elf dudes with their you know half of their father and they're on a road trip or it's you know toys coming to life or fish talking or whatever else they're all sincere to the, whatever they're doing no matter how ridiculous the circumstances is it's it's trying to make you believe in it and they do and and you know toy story is one of my favorite franchises ever and it's very emotional and very and the story is very deep and and very spot on but this feels more along the lines of it's just humans doing stuff. It's humans in space doing stuff. This um, also feels, and, let's see, to add this to, add to the mature thing, this feels like Toy Story 3 in a sense that I feel like the target demographic, and I get, I get you lose it very superficially, you know, there are in, a lot of Pixar films are very more mature than some of the adult stuff, but this feels like a, the target demographic is more ages 10 to 13. Well, I feel like some of the other Pixar films are more seven to ten, if that makes sense. And it's I hate not, saying that it's, because it's not yeah, so superficial. Yeah, because like I think obviously it's going to be people our age oh, yeah. <laughs> that have grown up with Buzz Lightyear. It's going to be the Adam Sandler meme sitting in a group of kids, yeah. and he's an adult, and he's watching the movie because that's that's what it's going to be—a bunch of bunch of grown ass adults watching a kids movie because we grew up with Buzz Lightyear. But also, you're right. I think it is probably skewing a little bit more mature. It's not as goofy as, you know, like Nemo or whatever. It's not got the slapstick. It's not going to have the slapstick comedy of a movie that would ultimately appeal more to your three to five year old demographic. Um, this so is Star Wars back in '77 kind of demographic, right? Where it's it's funny, it's goofy, it's it's, it's sci-fi fantasy, it's for kids, but it's a little more mature, a little bit. It's not, you know, it's 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 a bit, it's it's closer to if you're if there's like a, a spectrum between Deadpool and Teletubbies. <laughs> yeah, it's closer to Deadpool, <laughs> just a little bit closer. Yeah, but still far away. <laughs> still, just still worlds apart there, and it's it's in the middle. It's in the and middle. I, I would be remiss also to say, thanks to certain things that happened, uh, they put back an LGBTQ subplot. Thank goodness, or I think it's I I, I forget. Is it a subplot or a kiss? I forget which one. Because I've heard both. I think, it's just, I think from what I've heard, it's a kiss and maybe two characters because they they do that a lot. They'll be like. Right. There'll be like two characters, and you're like, "Okay, I know y'all are gay. I know, like, I know it. Like, they're definitely setting it up, but then nothing ever comes of it. I think maybe it was one of those, and then there was like a kiss confirming it. So, um, and so they they apparently had edited it out because Disney, yeah, <laughs> and uh, and then some stuff happened, and Disney's like, maybe we shouldn't do that, and they put it back. So, um, good on Pixar at least. Good on Pixar. Yeah, so it's so good on Pixar for uh thing. And and good on Pixar for having a movie that's gonna go to theaters. I've been felt really sorry for Pixar and the fact that it, just a little bit of it just feels like Disney was like, Oh yeah, Pixar movies, they're they're a little bit lesser than Which and is they, strange, they, I've heard great things about turning red, so Right. But they don't they, they don't deserve the movie theater experience. And I think the the truth is 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 far more in the camp of Pixar is some of the best 
in movies, period, right now. Some They make some of the best stories and best movies ever, in my opinion. Um, and they are, it's, you know, as they say, animation is not a genre, okay? It's animation not. is just as much f- proper film as anything. Exactly. And I'm going to be honest, I uh, there are animated shows, animated movies for ch- that are marketed towards children that I honestly think are more mature, nuanced, and deep-thinking than some of the stults that are made by adults these days. Like I've mm-hmm. watched children's shows that's like, this is way more mature than any adult thing I've seen. It is amazing. Um, but And uh, also, Lightyear is feel like a movie that is made for theaters like i want to see this on the big screen yeah i don't i don't want to watch this at home on my computer screen or on my phone in my underwear i don't want to do that okay i want to watch it in a proper theater with a bucket of popcorn and a giant screen okay i want to be with a bunch of my grown-up friends as we all cheer because we see our hero buzz lightyear and all the kids are looking at us like we're a bunch of weirdos because we are but and it's then, Buzz Lightyear. And, and then I'll have to hide some tissues in my pocket because inevitably it's a Pixar movie and it's <laughs> going to make me cry. <sighs> Especially when he says to infinity and beyond for the first time. It's like, we're all going to be like... Mm. And see, I want this to be a full-fledged, like, expansive franchise. I want oh, Lightyear yeah. 2. I want all this kind of stuff. A Zerg origin movie. Just do it all. Do it all. Go, Go all out with this because I think this has... The makings of a giant franchise waiting to happen. The um, the the meta MCU of the Toy Story universe. This is what Andy goes to see every other every two years. This is his Star Wars. Exactly. Like this is the the light year the light year cinematic universe is the thing. It's the talk of the town in uh, the Toy Story universe. Exactly. I'm hyped for this film. I am so I, hyped. I cannot wait. When? Okay, again, when is it coming out? Let me let me look this up. I'm just doing uh, Googling on the fly here. Lightyear comes Every time out. we talk about this film, I just get hyped for it. Like I, It's one of those things like where I don't think about it, but then when I talk about it, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so ready for this film. June 17th. So oh. uh, not, not far. Not far And after far Kenobi, at all. too, so we get the hype. Oh, man. Gosh. Yeah, this is going to be good. Yeah, see, right now I'm like, Morbius is in theaters. I don't want to see that. Uh, Fantastic Beasts is showing up. I don't want to see that. (laughs) Nothing to watch right now. And then, like, when June hits, it's going to be like just insanity. Um, And even before that, because we got, oh, God, May 6th. We're not that far away from Doctor Strange, but God. Yeah. By when May hits, it's going to be insanity. There's going to be like eight movies that I want to see at once, and I don't have that much money. Jeez. Ah, oh, okay. Well, I, I think I think we did it. Hooray! I think we are actually finished. We we discussed all the news. There's literally nothing else to discuss, and uh, I think it's time to go to bed. Okay, I'm tired. Okay. I was yeah. tired when I started this podcast. It's funny. The last time I was the one who was secretly exhausted, and I had to keep it together. But now I actually had a lot of energy, so it's like, yay. Yeah, I, I just love uh, – because behind the scenes, a little tidbit here. Uh, after the, you know, Joel came to me afterwards, he's like, oh, yeah, I was tired that whole time, and I had to keep it. I'm like, what? That was you tired? Like he was, he was headache. 
you were getting you had so much energy and were just like running talking laps around me and uh it's just crazy and i was like wow is, if that's you tired then i don't you know i'm scared to see you when you're hyper but uh but joel it it's been a pleasure man to have you back on thank you so much for coming on and we Especially- gotta do light year we gotta do light year now Oh, I think it's I think it's a given now. I think you have an open invitation to come back for Lightyear. I think it's it's just it just has to happen now. Um and uh yeah, so that's coming up very soon. Um and so many other things. And we've got the thing. I can't confirm the date. But I will say I will confirm this now that it's going to be happening pretty soon. Uh, our good buddy Chad will be back Ooh. on the show, and we're going to be talking about a little thing called Peacemaker. Because uh, I watched that show. I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. I've so, heard great uh, things. So, so uh, if not, I don't think – I think I'm going to be busy in two weeks. I don't think I'm going to be able to make that show happen. Um, but we might have to work on the schedule. Just be, keep an eye on our socials. Um, we'll definitely give you some updates there in regards to when our next show is going to be. But we normally broadcast every two weeks right here on Phantom Empire. And, of course, coming to you through the podcatchers on, on uh, Podbean and all that kind of stuff. Um, but first of all, Joe, again, thank you so much. Um, please tell the people where they can find Ion Cannon and where they can find you and follow you everywhere on social media. Yes, well, you can find Ion Cannon um, at Ion Cannon Pod at E-Y-E. Uh, C-A-N-O-N pod, P-O-D, uh, on Twitter. Uh, that's where we tweet all our Ion Cannon stuff, you know, shows, fun facts, random stuff. Um, and you can, of course, subscribe on our YouTube channel, Ion Cannon. Again, I, like the I, um, on Cannon. Um, got a little blue logo with Marcion Rose uh, helmet. So if you're a High exactly. Republic fan, you know what that is. Um, you can follow me at GID2021. That's my own Twitter. Um, sometimes I'm on it. I tweet random stuff. Other times I don't. But, you know, I can always tweet stuff there it. anyway. Um, but, uh, yeah, we try to keep, you know, at least Ion Cannon stuff going. So, again, at Ion Cannon Pod, you know, and, you know, follow us on Culture Slate 2, Culture Slate Family for Ion Cannon. I write articles there, so you can yeah. read my stuff. Uh, but yeah, that's where you can follow me. That's great. That's great. Thank you so much, Joel. You are a gentleman and a scholar, as they say. Always Thank you. appreciate your insight into everything and appreciate you coming on and uh, talking about a little bit of everything. This was a lot of fun. Um, and as I said, um, every two weeks we do a new show, IPC, and uh, my good buddy Zach, who is not with us tonight, but is our usual co-host, will be back in uh, maybe about 30 days, maybe? Fingers crossed, maybe he'll be back pretty soon, um, I think, and uh, we're, we're going to have a lot to talk about with him. Um, as soon as Moon Knight wraps up, I am positive that we will be doing a uh, wrap-up discussion on that um mm-hmm. so it'll be about five weeks ish away um and uh yeah and so many other things and Live long uh, also, and prosper and we think we're coming up on our seventh had to say live long and prosper um coming up on our seventh anniversary here at ipc Ooh. crazy crazy Hooray. so uh it's yeah that's good. gonna be or maybe the eighth I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, I get confused too after a certain number of numbers. Like I stopped counting. 
Yeah, well, okay, you'll you'll find out which number it is at some point. It's next month. It's coming very soon, and uh, we're going to have a show devoted to it, the whole shebang. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, uh, so plugs, really quick, before we wrap this up, you can follow us at IPC Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can follow Zach at Zach the Voice on, uh, on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. Um, you can follow me personally at Ben Hart with Noe, exactly how it sounds on uh, social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those things. I know I'm, pr- I pretty much only post on one of those things, normally speaking, um, pretty much Facebook, but, uh, yeah, if you want to follow me, I have tweeted a little bit recently. Okay. I will admit it. Okay. I have been on Twitter. So, uh, if for some reason you want to hear more of what's coming out of my mouth, uh, go follow me there. Um, and as, as Joel mentioned, at Culture Slate is where you can find Culture Slate and all the counts and stuff that we do over there. We're doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, I'm running social media. Joel is doing a bunch of help stuff. Help him. Doing- help him. I used to help him with social media, but they decided to switch me over to writing. So help this guy. He- He's doing – you're doing amazing stuff for the writing team. You're writing articles. You're writing videos. A lot of the videos that are on our YouTube channel – um, over on Culture Slate, the Culture Slate Network are done, are written by Mr. Joel Davis, and they're amazing. Um, so, so it's great <laughs> to see you doing that. Um, and uh, yeah, and we could always use help if you seriously like. If you're, yeah, if you have a creative bug, if you have something in your head, like I want to do something, go, go, go to the, go to the, go over to Culture Slate. Go, go find one of the, uh, the, the, the links to sign up for the social media team or the writing team or something. Get in, or all get in three. You can join all the teams. I'm part yeah. of all the teams at this point. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, and, and it's, it's a, it's a fun environment. Got a really, a lot of really exciting things in the works that I, I'm very, I'm honored. It's an honor and privilege to be involved with what we're doing over there. Oh, so, yeah. uh, I love it. Yeah honor it's great stuff um so yeah follow at culture slate and follow also part of culture slate uh the star wars underworld at the sw we're on the culture slate network along with a bunch of other great shows 12 um, more years 12 more years <laughs> we just we're about to celebrate our 12th anniversary which is just mind-blowing um and we've been doing for just a little bit less time than that we've been doing a podcast and uh we're now on youtube over at the star wars underworld just search it up and ignore that one video of the star wars underworld test footage um <laughs> you'll find our show um somewhere in there and it's a lot of fun we do the latest star wars news even when there's not any star wars news joe will send us a whole you know a whole book of uh oh, yeah. of of listener feedback and we read his notes so that's yes. fine too so we'll, we'll always find something, always mm-hmm. find something to kill time so that's a lot mm-hmm. of fun. um also you can getting back to ipc you can uh support the show at patreon.com slash ipc podcast of course sign up there you know, for as little as much as you want, um, you can support the show and get some awesome kickbacks. Um, you can follow the audio versions of our show on ipcpodcast.podbean.com. You can buy uh, IPC swag over at tpublic.com slash user slash IPC podcast. And of course, if you're watching the show, you are on 
fandom empire um and they have a lot of stuff going on here um in regards to all kinds of stuff you know we kind of tip the iceberg here in ipc in regards to talking about all kinds of things pop culture they go fully in depth with everything and a bunch of different amazing shows coming out every week here so uh yeah we're only bi-weekly here on fandom empire every other friday night but they have stuff weekly here so definitely go ahead and subscribe um so you get it show up in your feed and and when ipc comes up you will get it as well and also, I should mention iTunes. Please subscribe and leave a review. A little, really any of the podcatchers, but especially over at Apple Podcasts slash iTunes slash whatever they're calling it these days because uh, it does help us out a lot. And, mm. uh, you know, sometimes people are mean. They yeah. leave bad reviews for no reason. We didn't do nothing to you. You left a bad review. You left a one-star review. What do we do to deserve that? Well, so I can give. I'll give him one star. I like Last Jedi. <laughs> there, here's a bajillion one stars. How dare he put the poster of the movie that destroyed Luke Skywalker? Oh my God! Now let's not even go there. Let's not even go there. <laughs> um, yeah. So go leave, go leave a five star review, preferably yeah. because uh, yeah, it helps us out a lot. Um, I think that's about it. I think we 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 did it. Um, I promise one day I will bring back barbecue watch. It's yes. going to happen. Um, I don't, it doesn't feel right doing it without Zach. Um, and plus I haven't really had a good discussion topic. Um, my dad to barbecued discuss. some burgers a couple of weeks ago. So that was, yeah. Good. Yeah. Oh, barbecue. barbecue burgers are good. They are really good on the grill. Oh yeah. Good. I'm getting hungry. I'm getting hungry. Um, late night snack where, cause it's late guys, real late. Um, but, uh, Look, I think that's about all I can say at this point. I uh, love talking all about this stuff. Joel, thank you so much, sir, for thank joining us. Thank you for us. inviting me. You know, I, <laughs> I, I know it was last notice, but hey, you know, again, if you ever need a, a last-minute co-host, just, just let me know. I probably would be free most of the time. Well, I appreciate that. I always love my friends who are, uh, who are willing to come on podcasts at absolute just – God awful late notices um, and uh, make things happen. And you, you helped make this show happen. It was great. I appreciate you coming on. Um, uh, special thanks to Zach Arnold, wherever he is. We hope he can uh, make it back very soon. And he's obviously got a lot going on with his career that we list in the best of luck. Um, but that's going to do it for episode number 345 of the Intergalactic Peace Collection podcast. Um, of course, for myself, Ben, Joel, Zach, our producer Sean, thanks to everyone for watching and listening. Um, hope you hope you come back very soon. And we appreciate you so much for all your support. But uh, before we leave you, we're just gonna leave you with this closing thought. Belief is not a matter of choice, but of conviction. We hope you choose to return to the IPC podcast. In two weeks' time, or four weeks' time, or whenever you whenever you get a chance. But until next time, good night, everyone.
I don't know if Sean came back or not. <laughs> I, I talked to him. I texted him, and he said he was falling asleep. Oh, no. Not so, a kitten. So he may have fallen asleep again, and the stream may go on for another three hours. I don't know. The fact that we're still here uh, and the music's hours. not playing or anything like that um, is maybe a testament. Um, I guess we just went a little too long. Oopsie. Well, oh, well I... <laughs> seek, seek, secret topics. Uh, excited for Shadows of this book. Bring that on. I'm that is looking... good. That is. I'm looking. Ooh, that is. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back into some some audiobooks. That's going to be good. I just got the Queen's Hope audiobook, so I'm excited to look at that after mm. I finish Out of the Shadows. I mean, I only read one of the Padme books, so I'm excited to get into the third one. That's cool. Cool. I've read the first two. I'm gonna check out the third one. I have to do that. Um, well, I know it is getting late for everyone. Um, I don't want to leave you guys, and I think I'm gonna have to run in a minute. Um I, I don't know if anybody's still watching or listening or whatever. Um, I do appreciate all you guys for hanging out with us. Sorry in the comments if I didn't say hello, Matthew, my co-host. I'm sorry. I, I'm just I'm I'm not good at, at watching end. comments and doing a show at the same time. I can't multitask you. like that. So you know, missed a bunch of interesting stuff. Talk about <laughs> Star Trek, uh, but yeah, uh, what do you need fandom counseling on then? Uh, I love, I love, okay, let's see, David Livingston, I'm going to go ahead and respond to comments, and I'm actually going to, MCU has has made movies from good side of mediocre to outstanding, Warner in the 21st century has made DC movies from horrible to mediocre, oh, Ooh. oh, that's, a, I mean, they're definitely an uneven scoreboard, it's, it's, it's less consistent, I, I would say, I would say that DC has made some, I, I think Zack Snyder's Justice League was pretty darn good. I like Shazam a lot. I like I Wonder Woman a lot. Um, I liked Aquaman a whole lot. The Batman the was really good. Um, you know, but there, there's just other. There's the Suicide. There, Suicide Squad, not the Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad, and there's Batman v Superman. And there's more mixed. Man of Steel. I didn't like so. I don't. I don't know if it's fair to say. You know, if you think if you don't like all of them, that's fine. But I, I, I wouldn't say that like all of them have been bad. Like, no, there's been there's been some good stuff. There's been some good stuff. It's just it's just Marvel has kind of got their formula down, and DC, DC has actors who go to jail <laughs> <laughs> twice. I can't believe they have like one. They have like one actor and one one franchise. Like, oh, we're gonna get this off the ground, and like before we can even come out. Well, the, the thing about the Flash nuts. is that it's supposed to reboot the universe. Like, it's gonna make Michael Keaton the Batman next, and kind of prepare for like a universe with like different Batman. But now you got Batgirl, and it's like we're gonna kind of reboot in universe to kind of wipe away some of the stuff we don't like and keep the stuff we do like. It's almost like the erase the sequel trilogy thing, but in real life, but with DC, which DC is known to do in its comics, so there is precedent for it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, David David says uh, time travel stories are almost always problematic. They almost always create an unresolved paradox that the writers are either not smart enough to understand or just hoping 
that the audience is too stupid to notice. In City on the Edge of Forever, for instance, if McCoy goes back in time and prevents the creation of the Federation, how are Kirk and Spock still there to go back and stop him? Even more fundamentally, if McCoy stops the creation of the Federation, how could McCoy have and it cut off his comment? Oh, um, uh, I like City on the Edge of Forever. That's, a, that's actually supposed to be considered one of the best Star Trek uh, episodes. Yeah. She also said DS9 was the worst PR track spinoff. Oh, I didn't even mention that comment, but oh, that's that's a fire. That's fighting words. That's some fighting words for me. Uh, Glad glad Zach wasn't here to see that. He would have. Oh, does he like Deep Space Nine? Oh, Zach loves Deep Space Nine. Oh, I gotta get. I hope Zach and I. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I need to get you two together because, like, y'all could talk up a storm about he. He Zach will never shut up about Deep Space Nine. So. uh, I'm looking for Anybody the Star know. Wars show that's like the Deep Space Nine of Star Wars. Yeah. I'm telling you, they're going to do something. They're going to do a spinoff or something with Deep Space Nine. It's going to happen. I hope so. And speaking of, of time travel, I mean, Star Trek always has that crux of they can just they can just go back in time and do stuff. Um, and yeah, I, I, I see where David's coming from there. It's like, you know, yeah, time travel is always problematic. Like, you know, if you think too hard about the the Back to the Future movies, it, it does start to fall apart a bit. Try being a Doctor Who fan, it's, it's like they gave up. It's like they don't yeah, even they, care. Yeah, they, they don't even care. And that's, I think that's the best time travel stories is just like they don't care. They just they just go with it. Um, I think I think like the most maybe the most realistic time travel story may be in Star Wars Rebels. It may be the world between worlds because if you think about it. Ezra time travels. Ezra goes back and he pulls Ahsoka out of that moment, but it always happened that way. See, that's it the always, time like, travel Ezra, I like. Yeah, like, so nothing was changed. Nothing was changed. Ahsoka was always pulled out of the moment. It's just that Ezra didn't see himself do it. Um, so I, I like that. Um, it's kind but, of the your your own grandfather kind of paradox, where it's like where you're, you're supposed to travel back in time and meet your grandmother and kind of be your own grandfather, kind of. It's it's, it's a little creepy, sure, but it's like, that's kind of the time travel I like. It's like, it's almost predetermined destiny, but it's not, it's kind of predetermined destiny, but it's not, but like, it's the universe kind of saying, you always travel back in time. You always are meant to do this. And I love, I love the MCU version of it. It's just like Marvel just like, also didn't care because they're just like oh yeah if you go back in time you just create alternate universe if you take something out of the timeline it just creates a new timeline <laughs> and eh. nothing nothing happens it's um, probably another easy way to explain it and kind of not mess things up it took much. me like five times watching endgame to like get what they meant by it makes it even more confusing <laughs> with the captain america stuff like, oh yeah, that's when it like goes off the rails. It's like, wait, he he went back and then he stayed. What? Okay, until he got old, and then he kind of went back to his universe old, I guess. But it kind of implies he went back in time, time to the mainline universe, and then just kind of met them when he was older on that spot exactly, and lived through everything. So it's kind of weird. Um. Doctor Two always changed its rules from like multiverse to predetermined to who cares? <laughs> uh, um, Sean, are you here? Behind I the scenes you, stuff. I saw, I saw that he saw my message. I don't know if he was here. We're we're done, by the way. 
um, we're we're literally just shooting the breeze. We we finished the show. So oh, by the way, I agree with Matthew Holland over every other Peter Parker. Yep, I, I agree. He's my favorite Peter Parker. I I agree. I agree too. I I think. Look, I I, I after watching the Amazing Spider-Man movies, um, you know, I gained a new appreciation for Andrew Garfield, and and especially after No Way Home, and and Tobey Maguire, even though. I think his, you know, his whole shtick of a, a clearly grown man playing a teenager <laughs> is a bit weird. Like he deserves points and a lot of passes for right. originating that character. I mean, I I've always had kind of the controversial opinion of Garfield, Holland, then Toby as sort of my, the Spider Man. I, yeah, I think I, Garfield I think is good. the closest to what I kind of picture the comics, and Holland's like he. Getting there more and more with every movie, and then Toby's kind of doing his own thing, which is good, but it's not my favorite thing. the The whole thing, I think, it comes down to is is the thing is not an original thought. This is literally everyone on the internet has ever said this, but I, I like it. Is like you you have Toby McGuire. Toby McGuire is the best Peter Parker. Like he's really good at doing Peter Parker, being this awkward, just down on his luck, absolute. You know, just everything goes wrong for him mm-hmm. but he's not very good at the spider-man he's not very good at the quips and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. andrew garfield on the other hand was really good at being spider-man he was really good at all the quips and the jokes mm-hmm. and stuff like that and being spider-man whereas he was a bit too broody to be peter parker he was a bit too uh, almost playboy in the sense mm, I, he might be a little bendis's ultimate run a little bit Fair Fair enough. Enough. <clears throat> I don't know if you read the Ultimate comics. No, I, I, I'm dumb. I don't think like I've ever read a single Marvel comic. <laughs> neither, I mean, neither have I. I, I read. Winter I mean, I'm Soldier, familiar the with them. I'm familiar with a lot of the plot lines, just watching channels and listening to podcasts like that where they talk about it. But yeah, I'm I'm kind of out of the loop with that. But then Tom Holland, I think they really pick someone who could do both. Yeah, pick someone who could. Who he actually a, looks like a teenager. Who looks like a teenager, acts like a teenager. He is a teenager. I think he was at the time. I think he was probably like 19 when they cast him. Um, so like he felt like a, an actual teenager. And then he plays the Spider-Man, and he's he's got the jokes. He's got the Spider-Man-isms. I think he, he, he fits enough. relationship in the MCU. And it's no disrespect to like and Andrew Garfield and, and, and Toby. I think it was just part of the process of like – they were trying to find the right actor. It took them three tries, but they finally found the perfect actor to play Spider-Man. And that's the- and then they had him go up against Will Defoe, the best <laughs> goblin. So, real and challenge. see, having Willem Defoe, like, that's like, how do you top that? Like, everyone, how do you you say, okay, we're gonna cast a new Green Goblin? How do you do that? How do you follow Willem Defoe? Like, you can't. Like, that's like. You know, I'm not. I'm, really I'm could totally, if, if I'm totally game for like casting someone, but you can't like you can't try to replicate that. It's gonna have to be somebody like completely different. And you know because, what's sad? You know what's sad? Um, is his name Chris Cooper? I always wanted to call him Chris Cooper from Amazing Spider-Man Two, who played Norman. Oh, that is Dane DeHaan. No, no, not Dane DeHaan. There was a Norman Osborn. Oh yeah, um, isn't it? 
Mm. I want to okay, say his name Chris Cooper, but I don't remember. Norman Osborne, Amazing Spider-Man. Like one scene. Um, why do you not? Okay, play by. What? What? No, not that. What are you doing, man? Even Spider-Man 2, Norman Osborn. Uh, not normal. Norman Osborn. Uh, he was he played by... Actor? Uh, Chris Cooper. Yep, I was right. Okay, Chris... there you go. There so, you go. I... He played by Chris Cooper, and that script does not give that actor justice. Like, if they had, like, if, like, the actor who they got, he would have been a great Norman Osborn. And I think a good Green Goblin, too. Like, it wouldn't have been Will Defoe, but I think it would have been something unique and different enough to kind of stand on its own. Sort of like, sort of like the difference between Jack Nicholson and Heath Ledger. They're doing very right. different things. Um, and I think, and I think will defoe gets that 60s comics vibe of kind of like the crazy you know cackling madman well i think chris cooper could have embodied the more modern day green goblin businessman kind of thing um it's just the script doesn't do it justice which i think is a lot of amazing spider-man's like great actors great chemistry great i love dave dehan as nor as harry and even the goblin to a certain extent but like bad script the weight's not the the words are not the the paper does not justify the the weight those actors are giving and you know that's a film that's like the directing and the acting are pitch perfect, but the script is terrible probably not great. Yeah, it's uh it's all over the place. Like the movie, Amazing Spider-Man two especially trying to do too many things at once. Like well, we I think there's a lot. I yeah, I would. I, seriously, I would love to talk about the Amazing Spider-Man movies. I, I want to do like a whole Spider-Man thing where we talk about all the movies at some point. Oh, you gotta um, get me on there because I have like controversial opinions about <laughs> the Spider-Man movies. Oh, I bet you do. But like, Amazing Spider-Man Two is just like it, it's doing some interesting things. But like, it opens with a pl- plane crash with his parents, and it's just like they're trying to add so much intrigue and stuff like that with his parents. It's just like I just want you know. They're, they were, I think they were trying too hard not to be the Raimi movies and trying to be more grounded and realistic. Uh, and there's, you know, espionage and all this kind of stuff. I hate making this comparison because I'm sure a bunch of people have, and I hate it because I actually really, really like Amazing Spider-Man Two. Like, I like it more than I think I a lot of the Raimi films. I enjoyed it. I thought but it was okay. Here's, here's my weird. To me, Amazing Spider-Man Two. It gives me, it's sort of in the same, I feel the same way a bit about it, the same way I feel about Rise of Skywalker. It's like so many great kind of cool ideas. The acting's really good. It has a lot of great moments, but it doesn't necessarily gel together quite. Doesn't, like I feel about the same way about, feel about me, Spider-Man 2. I feel about Rise of Skywalker, essentially. Well, I mean, like Rise of Skywalker is like a movie that like I don't enjoy that much. But like, there's some perfect moments in that movie. There's some just excellent, excellent scenes. I feel the same way about Amazing Spider-Man. Like, there's some like overall the picture is muddled and there's a lot of not so great stuff. But like, you watch the the Gwen death scene is so powerful. It's so good and it even made more. I love by Peter and Gwen. They're like they're couple. they're like that's perfect casting. Like I I want 
Emma Stone to play Gwen Stacy again. I hope they just do her again and just. I like bring her more her than Kristen Dunst. She, oh yeah, as far as like, I, I love like they're the original Kristen Dunst and Tobey Maguire. They're great, but they had no chemistry. They're, they're so awkward. They're not great, and they're the original, so they get a pass. But they're nothing compares to like you know that I I would say like. Emma Stone and Andrew Garfield's like their chemistry was like rivaled, if not surpassed, Zendaya and, and Tom Holland. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think I like Tom Holland and Zendaya more, but I think more. I think I see them as like, oh, they're so cute because they're so little. Um, and I feel yeah. they're probably as old as I am at this point. Um, but like to me, they feel little. While like That's Andrew Garfield insane. and Emma Stone feel like adults. Again, again, it's <laughs> like. Tom Holland and Zendaya feel like kids because they kind of are, but they they also like they're not like Zendaya is is I don't know how old she is, but like you see her in other things, she looks like a woman. She looks she's incredible. She probably are, and then she's you know probably a little closer to our age. Whereas you see her in the those movies, she looks like a a teenager. She looks like a you know a freshman in high school because that's what she's supposed to be, and she's dressed that way. Whereas what they have Emma Stone wearing and what they have Andrew Garfield wearing and their hair and all this kind of stuff. They don't even try. They're supposed to be like, you know, high school graduates. They look like they should be college graduates. It's worse in the Raimi films where they look more, where, where they look like they're like the oldest 30 year olds going to high school. At least like in the Raimi films, like the, the, like, like halfway through the first film, they, he, gets out of high school and goes into college like that so they kind of get past it they really should have just surpassed high school altogether because well remind me next time we do a topic if we should just do the spider-man movie retrospective i got a lot of controversial opinions on it like i i'm gonna be honest i think i like the amazing films more than the rainy ones overall in terms of my if, if, if the mcu didn't exist I think I would have to pick Amazing over the Raimi films in terms of like what my personal feelings of Spider-Man are. Um, I think I think maybe uh, a retrospective have- is in order around the time of maybe when uh, Across the Spider-Verse comes out. Oh, yeah. I think that would be a lot of fun. Well, then Into the Spider-Verse just blows everything away at this point. Right. Right. But, you know, just like that, that whole legacy of all those movies. Mm-hmm. And now No Way Home is like connected them into its own one big series which is phenomenal so uh i just love like kids these days they don't even know they're gonna be watching yeah they're gonna go back and watch they're gonna watch no way home and be like oh who's this new doc Ock guy who's this green goblin guy and then they're gonna watch back like the rainy films like wait a minute these guys were in these movies what like they're gonna have their mind blown i mean it's nice to see the amazing films though get some love on the on the twitter and not be like those amazing films are trashy as trash. Like, hey, you know, I mean, you know, for anyone who says it's like the sequel trilogy will never get that treatment of being of the Renaissance. Look at the amazing films; they were like despised once upon a time. I was there. I skipped out on those films um, for other reasons. Like, I didn't despise them, but like, I just thought, oh, are they just remaking the Raimi films again? Um, I didn't know at the time. It's like, but they were low. But like, how dare Sony quit Spider-Man Four? Although I think there is some legit complaints of kind of how they kind of treat Raimi, but and make this kind of cash grab thing. And but like now the the amazing kids are grown up. It's like, 
hey, we didn't get our fair share. There's some good things in these movies that people once considered terrible. It's amazing that uh, Spider-Man and Star Wars fandom are very similar. Yeah, yeah. And it's amazing that like both Toby and Andrew's franchises really ended on lower notes. They ended on like, oh my God, this is bad. Blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah. Spider-Man 3, Amazing Spider-Man 2, those suck, whatever else. And then like Tom Holland comes out and he's like the first one to have like a third movie, a last movie that is genuinely great and beloved. And it includes them. So it's technically by default their movie too. Best superhero just, trilogy. Best superhero trilogy. It probably. is. It is. Like it's the, one of the strongest. I, I I love the fact that like if anything else, like MCU has really created some great trilogies. I love I love the Captain America trilogy. We got the Thor trilogy, which is eh. But like, you know, it's good. The last one's good. Um, now we got a Spider-Man trilogy, which is Iron Man trilogy, technically, if we just want to count the solo. That's true film. too. That's true too. And you know, I don't know. Will will Iron Man two ever gets to it gets come up and Will people ever I know people who think like, it's hey, just fun. It's, it's okay. Hey, it's better than we I think people are kind of like there's so many new things to hate. No one hates Iron Man two anymore. It's just like, eh, it's a movie, whatever. It's been it improved happened. over time as certain arcs kind of continued. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, go to, I mean, do you have to go to bed? I mean, I could talk to you more for hours. I can go. I, I know any minute now I'm going to have to leave probably. Um, but I'll say another minute or two. Why not? Um, did you see that Joker deleted scene, by the way, or the Batman? Did. did that come out when you did the review, or did it come out afterwards? Yeah, I think it came out afterwards. Um, we saw that. Saw I saw part of it. I didn't see the whole thing. I like that deleted scene, and I think it it kind of. I wish they kept that in and not the one at the end, because I know for a fact that that was not kind of like. I know people say, "Oh, they had to put in an end credit scene," and apparently, like, no, Matt Reeves actually just wanted to show Joker because he. He just thought, hey, we have a Batman world. Why shouldn't the Joker be around? Like that's kind of his his thought process. And I respect that kind of like, hey, it's a Batman universe. Joker should be around somewhere. It's not like everything has to be a new origin. Um, but I kind of like the the Hannibal Lecter kind of Batman visiting the Joker and the two kind of having their repertoire with each other. Yeah, um, I'm I'm biased. I like uh, I, I like Barry Keonig a lot. Sounds like Jerome from Gotham. Yeah, um, I just I, I liked uh, I liked his character in Eternals. I think mm-hmm. he's a great actor. So like I'm I'm totally game for like a new take on the Joker and the fact that he's doing it. And from what I've seen, it looks it looks it looks really good and, and interesting. So like you know I I think it uh makes sense to kind of go back to this and, and to start teasing him. And I, I'm not even convinced he's going to be in the next movie. Like he may not. I think he he's supposed to be in that Arkham series that they're making. Maybe, maybe, but I think, uh, you know, just kind of teasing him, having him be there in the background and maybe, maybe he'll be the one in the third movie. I don't know. Maybe he'll be, he'll be in the next one. Who knows? Um, but I, I, I like the, the Riddler. I like what Matt Reeves is doing there. You know, I, I wasn't, I don't know. That movie wasn't, like I didn't love it. Like it's not my favorite Batman movie, but like I like what they're doing with that whole universe. And so like, it might be mine. Is... No, no, <laughs> Mask of the Phantasm is still my favorite Batman movie. <laughs> if we can count the theatrical movies. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, it's. There's a lot of thankfully. There's a lot to choose from now. So mm-hmm. 
So who knows? Who knows? But uh, it's going to be interesting. I love the fact if this goes on for like another five hours, but we're just goners at this point. <laughs> oh my goodness. The best is yet to come. I don't see if there's any other news dropped or anything while we're recording. I'm not sure. Wouldn't that be mm-hmm. something? I hope we get some cool new stuff from Celebration, but I'm not expecting too much just for them to focus on what we are. Seems like they're getting the rotation every like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday dropping stuff. Yeah. Um. So I think maybe we'll get like next week around Wednesday, maybe Wednesday, Thursday. They'll drop some more panels and stuff like that. Well, we'll get confirmations, maybe more guest confirmations. If, uh, the clone anniversary. I wonder if we'll get confirmation of Hayden and Ewan. Yeah. Are they gonna are they gonna like save that? But like they usually I think one thing that they have to do is if anybody's like doing autograph stuff, they have to announce them ahead of time. Versus when they're just gonna show up on stage, they'll make it a surprise. <coughs> I'm glad we're getting Bad Batch something related. Like, yay. I'm glad that show has not been forgotten. For yes, exactly. Yeah, because like I think I mentioned this to you, like I've heard people talking about, oh yeah, you know what's going on? Is it is it even going to happen now? Um, yes, it's happening. Yes, we're it's it's still on, and uh, I I'm low key really excited for that. Me too. Yeah, like I, I love season one. I think they can just go up from season two. <laughs> but this is our behind the scenes. After hours, this is me cutting loose. And, I missed your uh, cutting loose podcast, by the way. I wish we you do that again. I love I love, I'd love to be on a cutting loose podcast where we just talk about random stuff. See, I I am looking for every opportunity to bring that back. Just haven't found it. I haven't forgot about it. Still there, still in the back of my brain. I'm gonna bring it back. I don't know when. <laughs> But he used to have time on Saturday nights, and then that changed. And so now I've been struggling to think. I'm hoping maybe do something celebration or something. I don't know. Maybe I have less time at celebration. What am I talking about? Well, if you ever spell, you are going to be near me at celebration, so uh, maybe you can come and visit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping I can hit up the studio at some point. Because um, I haven't been there yet. I can't tell where I live because I don't want to reveal my location to your no. lovely audience. <laughs> no, don't do you're on a live stream. Don't don't do that. You get yeah, um yeah, you get swatted if you talk about your where your your home address on I live at three two seven no mm, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, I don't oh. see there's nothing much going on now. It's kinda everyone's kinda chill. I have yet to watch Moon Knight. I feel bad with like <laughs> I, I know it's good. It's just like Moon Knight's like that one thing where like I just I don't know what to expect. Like I've never even heard of the character until well, just now. I will say I I didn't intentionally hold off, but I was really busy. I didn't get around to watching it. I, I think I think part of it was like I wasn't really like anticipating that much with it. I didn't want to know what to think. Mm-hmm. Um and I wasn't really in a hurry to watch it. But once I watched it, man, it was really surprised me how well it turned out. I was like that was WandaVision too, but then I watched it and like, oh, this is actually really good. And like, oh, then by the end, like, I'm just talk about depression. It's like, oh, this came at the right time for me personally. Yeah. Well, and and the good thing about late waiting is that now, like, if you if you start like 
You could start, uh, you know, Tuesday night or Wednesday. And you have three episodes. You can watch them back to back to back. It's nice. You can binge that's them all. True. Um, you know what? I wish Spider Man would get a Disney Plus show because Spider Man's so good. If you ever watch a Marvel animated series, Spectacular Spider Man is the one to watch. Yeah. See, I, I, man, would they ever do that? Would they? Because I feel like Spider Man's perfect for, for TV. For, for Tom Holland Spider Man, they're like, oh yeah, you know, this is a big screen character. We're gonna put him in movies, whatever. But like, TV shows have come so far, and are so big now that they really i know we kind of see them as lesser but they're not man they're not so and spider-man's perfect for tv like he's always been a serialized character and he has all these villains like you can't you can't do one movie for all of the spider-man's rogues galleries like especially because some of them aren't they're not evil masterminds some of them are just like scorpion he poisons things and that's but, it um, not imagine much imagine if you will take spider-man no way home but do that over eight hours, cut up oh. into eight episodes. Like, imagine, imagine. More time that. for the villains. Yeah, exactly. Like, you would have more time. We could have had a whole episode, a whole hour or two of just Andrew, Toby, and, and Tom just riffing on each other. Like, that would have been amazing. Like, tell me, like, I'm like I'm so happy that we're getting an Obi-Wan series. Like, I, I, don't, I don't want an Obi-Wan movie. I'm Star glad Wars we're getting like I'm glad we're getting like you know six eps, five or six episodes of just pure Obi Wan. We're getting way more content now. Like that's great. Oh, I think Star Wars thrives on TV in a way it never can in movies. Because I think Star Wars at its core is like very serialized. Like it's it's it goes back to you know that old school style of storytelling. So I think it that's the reason kind of fits right in with all this stuff. So, you know, maybe, maybe Marvel isn't, but I think I've enjoyed most of the Marvel stuff. If I can enjoy all of it, I'm not saying it's some of my favorite, but like, I think they've really done a great job. So like, I think a Moon Knight's really good so far. Falcon Winter Soldier's like one of my favorite series of all times. So like, I, I think they, uh, do a lot. And I think anything, can really work in this format. Indeed. No words from Sean. I think we lost him. I think we lost him. Oh, okay, yeah, that's it. I've heard a lot of good things about the animated stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, especially that one. The newer animated stuff I've heard mixed things about. Um, but this is this is my favorite Spider-Man. This might be one of my favorite Spider-Man versions, um, outside of the Tom Holland stuff and maybe the PS4 game. Huh. This was before the Marvel was bought by Disney or even the MCU. Steve oh, Bloom yeah. is in this show. Oh gosh, Steve Bloom's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it only got two seasons, but uh, some pretty good two seasons. Some of the best shows are too short. Yeah, they got canceled before they can make a season three. All right. Well, I don't want to, but I think, and this may need to. We need to call it quits here. All right. This was a this is a, a good little post credit scene for those <laughs> of you 
who stuck around second week in a row. Always like post credits content. So this was good. This was good. Bye bye, um, folks. Enjoy but, the. Uh, yeah, the we're we're link. we're just gonna leave. We're both gonna leave the studio, and then maybe nothing will happen. I don't know, but uh, yeah, if you want to stick around for that and see what happens, who knows? If you're still watching, um, but uh, Joel. Uh, very good to talk to you. Thank you for coming. Um, and I will definitely be talking to you about other things in the near future. All right. Bye-bye. But uh, bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye.